0: The following program contains misinformation, disinformation, and hate speech. It also features personalities who have been labeled far-right, semi-fascist, neo-Nazi fringe domestic extremists holding unacceptable viewpoints. Any and all calls
1: for justice are to be taken in the context of Minecraft, the game, as are any references to woodchippers, helicopters, or firearms. This product has not been evaluated by the FDA. We do not condone illegal behavior. We do not offer financial, medical, or any other professional advice. All comments are for comedic purposes only. Views expressed within this program do not accurately
0: reflect the views of the corporation or its sponsors. Use only as directed by medical professional. Use of this product may lead to cancer. Other known side effects may include but are not limited to hypothermia, heat stroke, sudden adult death syndrome, dizziness, nausea, irritability, Cognitive Dissonance, Confusion, Sudden Onset Dementia and Alzheimer's, Winter Vagina, Erectile Dysfunction, Transphobia. See pamphlet for more details. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. Consume. Obey. to my Friends Hate Freedom podcast. Today I'm here with Will. Will is an entrepreneur, um, real estate investor. He also does a lot of production work on the podcast Radioactive Theater, which is hilarious. And Mm -hmm. it's the only uh, fiction podcast that I regularly listen to. So thanks for coming on, Will.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been a while. I've been while we've been talking about this for a while. I think.
0: Yeah. Well, I've been talking to you about doing a podcast together since before I actually officially started my podcast. And right. Uh, so now we're finally doing it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've been listening. I think you're up to like ten or eleven episodes as of now. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. This, many you have
0: this will probably be eleven. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Some cool. It's been fun. I I've, I've been enjoying. Uh, you kind of have a a different. You know, I listen to a bunch of different podcasts and you definitely have a different take, you know, like your own voice, Podcasts. podcast, uh, you know, the, the creators are all, you know, your personality is a big part of the
0: show. Right. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Cause you know, most of my influence comes from other podcasters. So
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So, yeah. Well, I definitely actually, hope I'm not just like
1: oh. mimicking whatever they say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and I think that's probably part of the journey. Like with, uh, you know, I've 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 been a big uh, uh fan of comedy my whole life. You know, and um I've thought about trying to you know do some stand up and and you know, but I I also I'm almost like a, uh uh, what like not a scholar but you know like i've studied the art of comedy you know i listen to yeah. comics on podcasts and 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 about the 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 process and the technique and and you know they all say or it's very common for somebody to start and kind of like be mimicking like somebody that they're influenced by you know and it takes a while to find your own voice you know and that's where you, right. you really start to make yeah. it yeah yeah like i well, kind of I- might or, go ahead <laughs>
0: Oh, I was just going to say, I found that this, it has been a learning experience and I'm certainly airing the things that, uh, I'm struggling with and that's, Mm. you know, it's like, um, it's a learning experience, listening back and seeing where I sound dumb and stuff, but it's also a learning (laughs) experience in just like trying to work out my own, um, beliefs and, Mm. and what I, what I actually want to do, that kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Some goals. Yeah. I'm definitely, I think it seems like, I don't know, like 75% of the people I know are kind of going through that journey one way or another right now. Like, you know, everybody's changing jobs or changing relationships or, you know, like, I, you know, I think coming out of, uh, you know, all the, the last three years, you know, it, it uh, everybody's reevaluating things, which yeah. hopefully is a good thing.
0: Oh yeah, I think I think anyone who is actually reevaluating, it's got to be a pretty good thing, right? Um, just just mm-hmm. any kind of introspection, no matter where you're coming from or going, it's um, it at least has potential to really help. <laughs> um, yes.
1: Yeah.
0: And yeah, yeah um, I. I thought I was in many ways pretty prepared for stuff like this. Cause I've been very skeptical of the government for a long time and all that. And, uh, but it still <laughs> threw me for a loop, you know, yeah. um, just seeing how it affected people that I know and stuff like that. And, you know, in in some ways it was a long, slow process. You know, I started to see it on social media before 2020 really kicked off. And, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> which is largely why I got off of Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah.
1: I kept saying I was going to do that when I closed the coffee shop, you know, I kept saying, you know, well, I'm only on there to promote shows and stuff. You know, I got to, you know, I have a business I've got to promote, you know, and now I, I mean, I'm still doing shows and events and stuff, but I'm kind of, I'm like more and more thinking, well, I'm not doing that much stuff. Do I really need to hang on to that? facebook page like I, I don't know it doesn't really even seem very effective you know i've i've uh, kind of created a uh, a parallel email list to so i can reach out to people directly uh, to keep people you know informed about shows but yeah, you know, i do cool. have you know a couple thousand people on facebook that potentially see this stuff so it's like man i only you know i have far fewer people on the email list you know Right. Well, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. A couple thousand is, that's not insignificant. Um, mm-hmm. So I understand the, the want to hang on to that. And really it was events and stuff that um, I mainly kept it for, for as long as I mm-hmm. did, um, you know, cause it's an easy way to organize events and invite people.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, yeah. Like I said, and I, yeah. It's hard. Yeah. Well, they, and they, you know, of course that's kind of what they do, you know, they make it so convenient, you know, that's the, that's the, I mean, I guess <laughs> kind of the trick with all this stuff is, uh, you know, giving up uh, freedom for convenience. Uh, you know, like, I guess there's a lot of, uh, talk of giving up freedom for security, but yeah. really convenience is the, uh, is the even uh, sneakier one. It's more <laughs>
0: insidious. Yeah. It's easier to, <clears throat> I mean, I'll admit I still have my Amazon Prime account. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, and it it makes life so much easier. It benefits oh, yeah. me in in the immediate um term, but I know that that company probably doesn't have my best interests at mind and uh <laughs> the the way that they sort of are shaping society in in that kind of model is not necessarily
1: the direction that we want to go in. Right. Yeah. Well, and that's, you know, and that, that kind of points at like a (laughs) philosophical thing. I, yeah, I'm always sort of, uh, you know, struggling with it. It's like, uh, you know, it's a tool. Um, It does make your life easier. And in theory you can use that to help extricate yourself from, uh, you know, the systems of control and, you know, it's like, so, but at some point, you know, I don't know if they're going to use it against you. I mean, you know, it's like, how long or how principled, you know, at what point do your uh, adhering strictly to principles start to like decrease your effectiveness as, you know, a person or as a, or, you know, like you you get the diminishing returns at some point, you know?
0: Yeah. 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 So, um, I Yeah, I it's hard because, like, there certainly are some companies where I'm like, oh, I really don't want to support them. And Amazon has been one where, like, I never quite heard that they did a ma- vaccine mandate or something. Like, I'm sure they were doing masking and stuff, but, like, they didn't have... I've never heard anything, like, specifically really bad about them, but I sort of, you know understand that just as big and successful as they are and that they're probably playing into the ESG stuff and that kind of thing. Like that's, I get that impression, but like I have not heard like really specifically bad stuff about them. So that, that like nothing that's made me go like, okay, I got to get, I got to get out of these guys, you know, (laughs) like I've heard with BlackRock, like BlackRock, I would love to get out of. It's, kind of impossible but (laughs) yes
1: yeah right yeah they've just got yeah their tentacles and everything uh yeah 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 but that's right that's kind of yeah that's kind of my stance too right now anyways it's like you know yeah It just i can't there you know well i mean yeah i guess it is it's the convenience you know and it's like well at this point you know i've i'm okay i'm comfortable enough I do, you know, I'll look at um, like an alternative uh, website if I'm trying to buy used books or something like that first and see, you know, if they have it available, I'll buy there first, you know, but so many things, it just, yeah, it just uh, seems like it makes more sense just to get it on Amazon just easy. Yeah. You know, they really have, you know, perfected that system.
0: <clears throat> so, um your podcast has come up a couple of times already. Tell me what's going on with that. I haven't heard any new episodes in a while.
1: Yeah, I've been just ridiculously busy. I, I thought um, when I, so, well, and I guess, you know, just for a little, I guess, context background. So I ran the coffee shop for the last five years. I walked, stepped away from that in uh, December. Um, and I thought, okay, well, you know, there's an extra 50, 60 hours a week that I have to to do something else with. Uh, and, uh, and I thought, okay, yeah, now I can uh, buckle down and start cranking these episodes out. Um, but of course, you know, uh, I, the vacuum has been filled, uh, I, very quickly. I started, uh, I've been doing a play. Uh, I just, we just finished our run this last weekend. Uh, we did a production of kiss me, Kate. That was, uh, a lot of fun. It was my first musical where I actually had, uh, like a, not a solo, but parts singing where I wasn't just like in the background. Nice. Um, yeah. Which is something I've done, you know, I've done some musical theater in the past past, just as like a ensemble, uh, you know, singer. And I've done quite a few plays. Uh, and I really, that's something I have found that I really enjoy. I just kind of started getting into that like around 2016 and, um, and, you know, and I thought, well, you know, I, this, this is something I wasn't able to do when I was doing the coffee shop. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll do this. And it was a great show. It was, uh, yeah, it just really came together. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, and the audience uh, seemed to really enjoy it. And, but anyway, so so that, you know, uh, three days a week rehearsing. Uh, plus, we're still, we also do our uh, monthly radioactive theater live show, which is what the podcast you know, is a growth, you know, an outgrowth of, um, so keeping up with that, uh, cause I do sound effects. I, I like do sound design. Um, I also perform in it, you know, and you know, I, like during the show, I run sound and lights. Yeah. <laughs> and-
0: I, I saw on that Facebook feed that you sent me that you were like, sitting down at the soundboard then getting up and going to a microphone to do a line or two and then going back to the soundboard and looking all around and that, like yeah you were definitely um playing multiple roles
1: there right it's kind of it's fun it's like I uh, i don't know i guess it it suits my uh you know my my scattered brain you know ness. you know doing four things at once <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so, you know, I, and plus I've got uh, a piece of property that I bought last year that I'm kind of working on, uh, building my homestead on. Um, and I put in about 270 trees over the last uh, month. Uh, plus, uh, you know, I went to a couple of uh, workshops, workshops and festivals, I went to Self-Reliance Festival, went to uh, Nicole's uh, Spring Workshop, you know, so I've just, yeah, just been doing a lot. Well, I've kind of been taking advantage of my newfound freedom and and my time management skills have just suffered <laughs> you know, a
0: lot. Dude, you must put a lot of miles on your car going to yeah. all the workshops because it seems like you make a lot of events. You yeah. were up in Washington well, recently too, huh?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that one I actually flew uh, out to and that was just oh, wow. kind of a visit. Um, I was at, well, so that... Was uh, my mom and my grandparents and my aunt and uncle like? There was a bunch of my family was actually out in Hawaii, and uh, so I was I was like, okay, I'm going to come visit you guys and and stay with you out there and and uh, nice. But I was like, okay, well, I'll try to fit in, uh, you know, uh, a connecting flight from Seattle because uh, I'd been in communication with Brian uh, Norton uh, scrambling. Yeah, uh, you know your one of your early guests on the show. Yep, I can't remember yep. what it was he, it like number two or three, I think.
0: <laughs> no, it was later than that. But uh yeah, I, I enjoyed getting to know him a little bit.
1: Yeah. And I had met him at uh, at SRF last fall and we'd kept in touch a little bit. And, and, uh, and, well, you know, he's doing his thing with uh, that acreage up there with the um, Squatch Fest and stuff. Um, and I wanted to check it out. So I went and stayed at his place for a couple of days and, and we went out and walked the property, chopped some blackberry bushes and, uh, <laughs> with machetes and, and, uh, yeah, it was, it was ended up, you know, it was more of a social thing, but it was cool. It, it was, uh, I had a nice time, you know, and, uh, yeah, but yeah, I've just, you know, like I said, I've just been kind of making up for lost time. I used to, you know, I spent a pretty good while sort of, being somewhat transient, and I, I kind of miss it. You know, like back in the like mid two thousands, I was kind of drifting around for a while, and and uh, you know, I don't know. That that's just comfortable to me, I guess. Huh.
0: <laughs> so, so, like, how transient were you? Did you have like a home base that you would always return to, or were you literally just kind of on the move?
1: Um, I, well, I mean, like my mom's house, like I could always go there or my grand grandmas or my other grandparents, basically any of my family, you know, they're all very welcoming. um, But it was like, it was when I got out of college, um, you know, a lot of my friends from college had kind of dispersed, you know, across the country. So I would just sort of say, Hey, can I come hang out for a week? And, and I just go to Chicago or, you know uh well i mean so uh, well san diego uh at uh you know west virginia like i just yeah i would just kind of you know <laughs> cruise around and spend a week here and there nice and and at the time i was uh also i was producing uh videos and like i was i was kind of i was like an aspiring filmmaker and that is stuff that i had learned in school and i'd made a couple short films and and uh and I produced my own DVDs, like, fully, like, uh, the graphic design, I'd print the labels, you know, like, I'd actually print the tops of the DVDs. Yeah, I've, you know, I've done
0: some, uh, albums like that. <laughs> Not yeah, very many.
1: So, <laughs> yeah. It's a little labor you know, yeah. intensive. You're Right, right. But I had, like, a mobile, you know, production rig, like, company in my car, you know, I was, I think at that time I was driving a like a Saturn, you know, like a uh, you know sedan, and I had my printer, my you know laptop, and like boxes of of physical media in the trunk and and I would just drive around and I'd go to you know like Quimby's up in uh, Chicago and like put some stuff on consignment, you know, and wow, <laughs> I, and also yeah. I had like produced a couple books uh, for a friend of mine uh, I'd, which I had like illustrated and Huh. Yeah, you know, I was just trying to kind of hustle and, you know, I, it was just kind of having fun.
0: So were you printing the books and binding them yourself or how? Uh, were you?
1: Those I had professionally printed, uh, just, you know, like a digital printer, uh, it just found them online, you know, that yeah. you could, I don't remember. It seems like you could get them for like $2 a piece or something like that. And, uh, you know, try to sell them for 10 or 15 and right. Um, which actually, it's kind of funny. Uh, you know, I, I think the last time I looked, it seems like that stuff's actually gotten more expensive. I guess the physical media, which I, you know, huh. whereas most technology stuff is cheaper.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's but, weird. I mean, there's like print-on-demand services and stuff now, and I thought they weren't yes. that very very expensive.
1: Well, that's the thing. Now it's like you doing like a like getting doing like drop shipping through Amazon or something, where you don't actually ever handle the physical media. You know, I don't know. Right. It's been a been a while since I've looked into it. I could be wrong about that, but that was, you know, like I said, that was around like two thousand five, six when I was doing that.
0: So anyway, um, your uh, your radioactive theater. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Same, we you, <laughs> you you said you do a monthly live show. Have you been also working on some uh, studio shows that'll come out on the yeah. feed? Because that that one episode that you sent me the feed for. I mean, the, the, the live stream, uh, you never released it as a podcast.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, so what we've been doing, so the live show we've been doing for like four and a half years now, we just started the podcast a little over a year ago. So we have a backlog of all these shows and most of the recording, I don't The recording quality is just, is pretty bad. Like when we, when we, do the shows to release on the podcast feed we we go into this st- right. you know, studio, which is yeah. you know basically a bedroom with you know sound blankets up and uh, and record you know the episodes clean um, which of course then you know means I have to do a bunch of editing and and yeah, you know it takes a long time to produce them so it would be smarter to just release the the live episodes, but we didn't record a lot of those in the early days, so we you know, we're we're trying to catch up to where we are with the recorded episodes, um, you know, uh, and then you know just for continuity, I guess, because we're like on Blast Burton episode like thirty something, oh. you know, live, but wow. we're only on episode six um, or seven on the feed.
0: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Interesting.
1: Huh. Yeah. <laughs> So, but I was thinking probably what I should be doing is uh because that last month when we did that live stream, that was the first time we'd actually done a live stream, uh, which you know was kind of foolish. We should have been doing that a long time ago. <laughs> but um but uh but that was just something that like Matt, who writes Blast Burton um and performs, uh he just, you know, was like, Hey, can we stream this? And I'm like, Yeah, you know, you we always could have, it's just like, I've got, I've already got six jobs, uh, like somebody else needs to figure that out. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, and so he just set his phone up and, and we did it. So I, I was thinking maybe we, for like the, you know, the super fans, we could, uh, do like a Patreon exclusive, uh, for the, you know, the live episodes or something like that. So it doesn't confuse people, uh, continuity wise. Right.
0: Or, right. <clears throat> Yeah, I see what you mean. I didn't realize you were in a completely different place as far as your uh, storylines go with with the live versus the studio episodes. Yeah,
1: yeah, we actually we released uh, last Halloween uh, around Halloween. We released a live episode from the previous year. Uh, You know, so Halloween of 2022, we released the 2021 Halloween episode, live episode we'd done. And even that was like, there were characters that had not yet been introduced. And, you know, and like, you know, the relationships between characters were different and stuff like that. And, you know, I don't know how much people care about that stuff. I'm, you know, I'm kind of a a nerd (laughs) about that stuff. I mean,
0: honestly, I have thought of it as pretty like pretty much each episode stands alone, because mm-hmm. each one has sort of a beginning and a resolution, and usually there's not a whole lot of carryover unless, like, one episode leaves them in prison or something like that, and then they get out the next episode, something like that. But I, yeah. I feel like they tend to kind of stand alone, and it's just fun.
1: Yeah, yeah, right. Well, and there are... Well, so Blast Burton that i mentioned, that's kind of our flagship show. You know, that's the most popular... Thing yeah. we do currently, and um, and it is it's a serial kind of in the style of the old serials where each episode it does stand alone to an extent. You know, there is you know a, a self contained arc, um, but they do tend to. I pretty they pretty much all end on some kind of a cliffhanger, and then the next episode, you know, it resolves that cliffhanger, and then you begin the next arc. But then, of course, there's there's also a larger arc that goes you know across ten or twelve you know like the season. Um, so, so they, yeah, I, you know, ideally somebody could just drop in and listen and, and get some, you know, satisfaction out of one episode, but, you know, hopefully that they're, you know, that, uh, encourages them to, you know, be interested enough to go back and listen to the whole series. Right. Yeah. But, but then also we've got like, uh, well, so right now we've got Matt, Matt and Lori, Um, They write Blast Burden. We've got another show called Matthew Moments um, and another show called Blade of Baldor that uh, they don't seem to want to write anymore of. But we did record one of those that will come out eventually, Hmm. Um, which is kind of a Conan thing. Like they're all sort of genre, you know, Blast Burden, as you know, but, you know, for the audience uh, is is like a Buck Rogers space uh, action adventure kind of thing. It's a little bit like Uh,
0: Spaceballs.
1: Yes, definitely. Uh, well, so, and that's part of what I love about it. And I think we're seeing more and more of this now is, you know, I'm a child of the eighties, eighties um, and nineties, you know, so, and Matt, he's like a year older than me. So, you know, we're very on the same page with all our pop culture references. And yeah, of course, Spaceballs, you know, Mel Brooks in general is part of our, you know, kind of reference bank and as well as, you know, Ghostbusters and uh, N- Ninja Turtles and, you know, like, And so that's kind of fun for me. It seems like in culture now, well, now the nineties, you know, that's classic rock. So now instead of cover bands playing, um, you know, Bon Jovi songs, they're playing like Nirvana songs, you know, it's like, it's actually more fun for me. Like, even though I don't really go out to bars much or, you know, not into that, but
0: Oh, even hearing cover bands play like blink One Eighty Two, which is not a band I was ever (laughs) into you know, it's fun. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's fun hearing those songs cause they just, uh, have like fun and nostalgia for me.
1: Yeah. 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 So I, I think, you know, it just, it's, I think I, I mean, I don't know, you know, of course I, you have to have a little bit of a, uh, uh, narcissism and, and, uh, <laughs> delusion to, to pursue creative endeavors, I guess. So I think, <laughs> uh, you know, I feel like, you know, it's a good show, uh, you know, I feel like there there should be a, an audience out there for it. Um, oh man, I, I just...
0: really enjoy it. It's like, it's, I love the little, the little, like, there's little things that are snuck in, like the deep jungles of Duran Duran or something like that, mm-hmm. like, it just, it flows perfectly into the script and yet it's like, wait, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> what'd you say?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. See, that's that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like those little references. And of course, and also that kind of goes back to kind of the style of humor. Um, Like it's well, so I I think I was starting to say so Matt and Laurie write Blast and Matthew Moments and Baldor. And then we have another guy, Larry Williams, who he's older. He's like in his mid to late 60s right now. And he basically, he just retired like last year. And, and this is something he's wanted to do his whole life. He's always been an actor, like, you know, local, like community theater actor. And and uh, so he's just cranking out scripts like crazy. But his kind of reference points are older. His style is like a lot more campy and, and silly. A lot of, uh, you know, puns, you know. And uh, so he writes, uh, what did he do? Like the silhouette, which is sort of like a, a shadow. Okay, yeah, uh, I he heard at least one or two of those. Yeah, and uh, you know, so but his stuff, and but he loves wordplay, and and yeah, and putting stuff like that in there, you know. But it's it's a little bit of a different style. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's all it's all fun. Uh, yeah. Uh, but uh, okay, did you? It's a, was, it's a it's a
0: nice way to like start off my morning without just like delving <laughs> into the things that are wrong with the world or whatever. You <laughs> yes. know, as far as listening yeah. to podcasts.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. And that's something that I, I, I've kind of, I've struggled with a little bit. That was something I think I've kind of, when in in conversations in the past, you know, we've talked a little bit about, you know, I've kind of struggled a little bit myself with like, because I'm, you know, I'm a creative person. That's, uh, you know, I've I've done music, I've done theater, I've painted, I, you know, I draw, I, you know, I do like every form of, uh, you know, creative uh, expression, I guess. But, but, you know, in the kind of, political uh homesteader prepper space you know it's like you know it, it, there's not a lot of value placed on that sort of thing you know it's it's like you know you want hard skills you know you can't eat a song you know but but there is you know and that's something even back before I was as into that sort of thing you know I kind of was questioning you know the pursuit of it uh, of of the you know creativity you
0: know yeah
1: Um, but you know, I, I just, I just saw a quote from, or I just saw like an interview with somebody. Oh, oh no, it was actually, I was watching a show and they were talking about, uh, I I don't know, like coming out of World War II or something and, and like going to a play and just like being so inspired that it just, you know, kind of, uh, you know, that everything was so dark, but this was sort of like a a light in the darkness kind of thing. And it's like, you know, I mean, that's, you know, it's kind of grandiose, I guess, you know, but uh, for a creator to say, but, but, you know, I mean, that's what it's about, I I guess, right. It's like, that's the goal, right. You know, if we lose all our culture and, and, uh, you
0: know, yeah,
1: that's
0: yeah. yeah, Yeah. And I feel like, I don't know. I think that there is something important about, um, like if if you think you have something to say, then say it and don't just uh, don't just stuff it down. But also, like for me, um, a lot of art and music, the the more creative stuff is um, sort of like a therapy for me. It's something mm-hmm. that it's a, it's also a hobby. Like I, I I feel like I like doing it a lot more still because I am not trying to make a living out of it. I'm just doing Mm -hmm. it kind of in my spare time as a way to relax. Mm -hmm. And since it still feels like that, since it still feels like something to do for fun, like relaxing kind of fun, it's like, it's something that I keep doing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, so I went to art school. I went to the Kansas City Art Institute. Um, And, uh, you know, you have to do like a thesis presentation, you know, your senior year. And I did like a a big slideshow because I didn't really have like when I was there, it was sort of it was in the transition from physical to digital media. You know, they had previously had like a film department, but the year that I started there, all the film cameras got put into a put in a closet and you weren't allowed to touch them um, because they were transitioning to digital video. And this is (laughs) pre HD. Everything was like mini DV. Um. And, uh, and they, you know, put in a big computer lab, they, they still had, you know, the film processing for like, you know, still photos. Um, and that was part of the program, you know, but, uh, but they were also, they were start, but you know, the digital, uh, you know, you know, the cameras were still only like two megapixels at that time, you know, so that wasn't very practical for digital photography yet. But, um, but, um, like, uh, what was I going to (laughs) say? I forgot why I started on that. Oh, oh, well, I, so, so the department became, it was photography and filmmaking before, but then it became photo new media. So new media didn't really have much of a definition. We were sort of just creating it, you know, like, um, Uh. so I was doing, I got into, you know, I started working with like Maya, uh, doing like 3d animation stuff or 3d modeling more than animation, but we did a little animation, um, I was working with Flash, which was you know that was pretty hot at the time. <laughs> I became a, a Flash master, uh, but I started using it, um, uh, the, like basically using the scripting language as a way to create like interactive videos. So I was kind of using it in a way it wasn't intended, and and it wasn't really practical because video compression was so bad. At, you know, you uh, and and you know basically, I'm you know at home at the time. I was still on dial up you know and you, right. you know, oh, videos <laughs> you know, super is not practical on dial up obviously you
0: know no yeah, nothing, I mean, nothing nobody remembers that. is
1: but uh so like I spent a ton of time just like tinkering with video compression and stuff like trying to figure out how to optimize stuff cuz YouTube didn't even exist like Facebook didn't exist like you know there was you know you had to like upload your video to a server and people would stream it from the server or download it you know like um yeah we yeah and i kind of well, like anyway so the stuff i was doing it had a performative performative aspect to it it had a uh, like an installation aspect like it was all over the place you know i was like building electronics uh you know <laughs> like so i just um just didn't have a a discipline really, you know, it just, was, uh-huh. and then coming out of it, you know, I started doing uh like website design and, you know, cause that was where the money was, you know, it was pretty easy to make, make some money, building some websites and uh, doing graphic design work and stuff like that. But I've always, you know, I always wanted to do the filmmaking um, side of things. I, I can't even remember why I went off on that tangent. What was your, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Oh, we were just talking about like arts in general and yeah. like, why we do them, I guess, mm-hmm. or, uh, um, yeah, I guess that was about it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's something, you know, and kind of, you know, I always, uh, you know, I like the, you know, I love vanticism of, of, uh, the artist, uh, you know, like I always like these, um, you know, weirdos that would, you know, take things too far, you know, like the Vito Akonji was a guy that would do, well and actually like in my my band you know we were kind of like a performance art thing but we didn't really think of ourselves that way when we started but like we were compared to like gg allen uh, even though we didn't know who he was when we started because uh-huh. uh, we were, it was just very violent and and uh you know we didn't ever shit on stage but there you know there was blood there was urine <laughs> there was a uh, vomit it's funny, um, but, it's,
0: you've told me about this before, but it's still not, um, it's <laughs> not my mental image of you and like what you're like at all.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was, it was like a different person, you know, like, or, you know, it was like I was playing a role, you know, uh, in a way, but it was, you know, when it started, it was like an honest, like cathartic thing, you know, it was, you know and that's another, you know, kind of thing I've realized, or, or I've kind of thought about you know sense that I think we were sort of creating a, an initiation ritual for ourselves <laughs> uh you know huh, to entering yeah. manhood you know we we were trying to we we're putting ourselves we were you know it, you know, it sounds extreme to say you know but we we're putting ourselves into these like situations that were you know probably not life or death, but they were we we're we we're putting ourselves very much in harm's way a lot of times you know as part of these performances <laughs> and, <laughs>
0: Why? Just because of antics on stage, or because of uh, repercussions with offending people and stuff like that?
1: Uh, it was more. Well, there was a little bit of repercussions for, but back then, you know, things weren't quite as. You know, you weren't. There was no cancel. No, I mean, right. we, You know, we did have the cops called on us a couple times. You know, <laughs> but you know, so I mean, that's one form of cancel.
0: Yeah. I guess, yeah. But, <laughs> uh,
1: Enough but, to uh, shut a show down. <laughs> yeah (laughs) but yeah really it was just us it was it was internal like we were just uh kind of trying to self-destruct or something uh like on stage and uh you know and I think toward the end it got turned a little more outward and and that's where I kind of decided like uh this is becoming you know it's not what it you know we need to end this (laughs) it's not going Uh to a good place like we you know and we weren't ever like super violent with the Bands. that was like collateral damage you know but but uh but we did start like kind of targeting the venues like it, it kind of like it was like it was our goal to get kicked out and never invited back you know to every venue we played in the last like year that we were banned
0: <laughs> oh man sounds like destruction of but, property uh, happened
1: yeah oh yeah oh yeah and <laughs> yeah uh, but you know and it was funny like it was like the more permissive, the, uh, you know, the venue, you know, the more we poured it on, we, we, yeah, we would just push everybody to the just breaking push day, it all know? the way. Yeah. Cause we were playing at places that were run by like these like crusty punks, you know, that, and we're like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We'll see how crusty you are. You know, <laughs> but, uh, I don't know. It was, like I said, it, it, I don't know. It was fun. It was, but, uh, It was a different, I was a different person back then, you know, and I, I learned a lot from it. Um, you know, and we're actually talking about doing like a reunion show. Uh, but now that I'm like a middle-aged, you know, I'm a different sort of crusty now, (laughs) crusty and old. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, it'd be fun to just do, I mean, we actually got together and jammed a couple of us, uh, about a month ago for the first time since, uh, like 2006, and uh it was pretty cool pretty fun
0: yeah that's cool i still get to play music every once in a while um my one buddy glenn he uh has a studio in his basement and he's got a really nice drum like he's got a really nice studio honestly he's got great drum mics and everything and and some some real like tube amps and stuff like that some nice mics and uh so it's nice when we can get together and do something. We usually, you know, we're not, we're not very productive and we only get together once every, you know, couple of weeks, month, whatever. But mm. uh, it's it's good to get to play a little bit when we do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've got a guy that I play with. I mean, it's, yeah, it's kind of like that. It's uh, we, we did, uh, what, about three years ago, we were getting together every week. We had, there was a third guy. But he died in uh, February of 2020, uh, oh, so we you know, didn't play together for six or nine months after that, because he kind it was like his band, and we were sort of backing him up. And, uh, but then, yeah, we started getting back together, and, and that's another thing, though, over the last couple months, I just haven't had time for. But, um, but uh, we're actually hopefully next week we're going to get together and knock the cobwebs off. Yeah, cool yeah um, and that's but that's like i'm just you know now now i'm playing like beach boys uh you know cat stevens you know like <laughs> <laughs> we're not doing like exhumed covers and like right you know, and you know were you guys yeah. playing any original stuff oh uh, yeah yeah it was mostly originals yeah that that was another th- i mean yeah so Actually, I don't know. I guess it's maybe kind of an interesting thing. Well, going back, I guess entrepreneurship, that was one of the topics we we were talking about. So so I had mentioned I mentioned the coffee shop, you know, that I've been running. I had been running up until December. Um, So kind of the seed of that goes back to call to high school Uh, because, you know, I live. You know, I'm in a pretty pretty rural area here. And uh, there's nothing to do. There's nowhere to go, especially if you're a kid you know, there's, it's like the whole scene here, it's all bar culture, you know, we're like a vacation destination. There's never huh. been, you know, it's either church or bar. And so we, and we started this band, um, kind of by accident, you know, it was, um, just me and and one of my friends just started like making a bunch of noise and recording it. And then we started getting other people involved and, uh, including like actual musicians. And, and then the band sort of formed out of that. And, but we never really did it with the intention of doing shows. It's just like, I went to a, a play that one of my friend's sister was in at this little theater, little, you know, community center. And I, well, I was like, we should do a show here. And they're like, Hey, yeah, you know, we can rent it for a hundred bucks and just see how it goes. So I, I rented it. We didn't even have any songs at that time. Uh, we just, you know, it was just noise, you know? And so, but the musicians in the band they like panicked i guess (laughs) and they wrote like you know 12 songs and we learned them so our first show we actually did like a noise set which was not a thing you know at the lake at at, at where i live you know (laughs) like nobody knew what that what what we were doing right yeah uh and then we did a set of actual songs and um But that was, you know, that was the only way that we could perform was we had to rent a venue because one, you know, we're two, we're, you know, we were like 18, 19 years old at the time. (laughs) So bar, you know, I don't know. I'm not sure what the rules are for, you know, I'm sure some bars would probably still let us perform, but you know, we weren't doing, you know, Bob Seger cover songs, you know, like nobody wanted us.
0: Right. That's what, that's what bar owners want. They want, um, Everyone to be happy with the selection, which means classic rock.
1: Yeah. And it, and and it can fade into the background <laughs> while everybody's drinking and, and, you know, socializing, you know, and that, and we were not a fade into the background kind of band, mm-hmm. you know, so, so yeah, like our first three shows, you know, I rented, I rented that little community center. I rented a uh, Elks Lodge, rented a uh, Knights of Columbus Hall. Um, and then, you know, from I think I'm kind of, I'm digressing again. uh, anyway. So, but that kind of planted a seed. Like I'm thinking, and I was like, man, you know, we should have a place for local bands to go play, you know, like, uh, cause also when I was in high school, there was one other local band like in high school at all, you know? Um, and, uh, they were, they were pretty good. I went and saw them, you know, they are like, they're a Christian band, you know, and they played at a church. Um, you know, it's definitely, is it very kind of, Pearl Jam influenced. Uh yeah. <laughs> I actually really like Pearl
0: Jam. At least that that uh the first album ten is amazing and it kind of went a little downhill from there. I still like I have most of their albums.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean I mean, yeah, it's you know, the hipster in me hates to admit it, but uh but oh yeah, I i you know Pearl.
0: That was the only album Jam's that they had Candle the as drummer. Oh yeah, yeah. the The guy who's Candlebox's main drummer, he uh, I don't know if he's still with them because they're one of those bands that got back together after twenty years. Um, Mm. But uh, yeah, Pearl Jam's original drummer ended up being Candlebox's drummer.
1: Yeah, that makes okay. So I had this friend that was obsessed with Pearl Jam. Like he, I remember it was like nineteen ninety eight or something like that. I went over to his house. He had like 63 Pearl Jam albums. There's all these imports and stuff like, and this was, you know, pre internet. I mean, internet existed, but like, I don't know. It was a very impressive thing, you know? Uh, And he was also a big Candlebox fan and I I never really made the connection. I didn't know that there, that was a thing, but I'm sure that's probably why he was a big Candlebox fan.
0: They were in that (laughs) nineties grunge um, wave, you know?
1: Yeah. But he uh, he actually uh, on the yield tour, uh, which I went and saw in Kansas City. Uh, he went up to Chicago and saw him, and then he like uh, St. Louis, then Kansas City. He like followed him for several dates, like throughout the Midwest. Mm. And I guess and and he like through. He was part of the Eddie Better Book Club and. <laughs> like threw a book on stage, like hit Eddie Vedder in the chest, like Jeez. with the book. He was like, oh, you know, he's like a Mark David Chapman level uh, super fan, I guess. No, uh, was that the guy that shot John Lennon, or is that the oh, guy that shot? Uh, John not Mark <laughs>
0: David Chapman. Ah, um, oh, shoot, I can't remember right now either. If I if I come up with it when I'm editing, I'll cut it in.
1: All right. If, if not, yeah, we'll let but... the
0: fans yell at us from their isolated <laughs> headphones. <laughs>
1: yeah, but, but but anyway, I guess back to the my the point, uh, you know. So so I always thought, you know, someday or well, actually, I was trying. You know, anytime I'd hear anybody trying to put together a venue or like a youth center or anything like that, I would try to support it and you know, kind of spread the word and you know, and and it just nothing ever stuck, you know. Uh, and so event, you know, twenty years later, I start this coffee shop and and that was kind of our one of our foundational things is you know we did you know open mics and poetry readings and brought in comedy and bands and because also there's nowhere at the lake for like uh you know singer songwriter type bands you know right and, yeah and a uh, coffee
0: shop is the perfect place for that that's where like that's what you that's the typical like where a singer songwriter would play
1: yeah right it's kind of the classic you know the bob dylan uh lenny bruce you know yep you know that's what i was going for that was the vibe you know and and uh and we did a pretty good job of it, but unfortunately it just, you know, didn't work out management wise and and uh Well it sounded yeah.
0: like you had actually started to turn a profit when you decided it wasn't what you wanted to do, right?
1: Uh well we were a lot closer anyway. It was, oh okay. <laughs> it, yeah, it, it it was never like very profitable. Like it I like I lost a lot less money uh the last year that we were open, but that was you know, mainly because I didn't have a manager and I was doing it myself, and and that wasn't really the
0: right. That
1: wasn't my that's plan. Not
0: how you want to <laughs> live your life,
1: right? Yeah, yeah. Because I, you know, I, you yeah, know, yeah. That's that's why I hired somebody in the beginning. Was I? Well, well, one thing, you know, I didn't want to do it. For one thing, but the other thing is, it's not really part of my skill set. You know, that's like a restaurant tour, like manager of you know like a uh, uh a place like that you know there's there's a personality type you know and uh, you, you've got to like like dealing with people and and going out and networking and you know and i don't know it's and that's not me
0: <laughs> yeah
1: hmm. i think uh that's you know i don't know that might be a cop out but i, well. I definitely got that i don't know it just i couldn't seem to You know, I, I'm more of a back of the house kind of guy.
0: No, that makes sense. That's kind of, you know, when I think about, um, starting a meadery, which I've been thinking about for many years now, um, I don't like the idea of so much of the customer interfacing stuff, Mm -hmm. even though like I'm fairly personable and everything it's, it's that one person who would be a pain that would just like drive me up the wall you know, mm-hmm. or something like that. And, and some of the business management side of it, I don't, it's not appealing to me either. Um, yeah, but, uh, but actually like making the product and selling it, like that's, that's something I could be totally into, you know? Right. So I get yeah. that. But anyway, so you sold your coffee shop cause it wasn't turning out how you wanted it to, or it wasn't, um, it was just taking up too much of your time and, whatnot so you sold it but you still have a good arrangement there where you can do shows there right
1: yeah right well and actually you know and you'd mentioned that i was i'm a like property manager or whatever i don't can't remember you know how you put it at the beginning but but yeah so i mean i actually i actually still own the building that was kind of that's you know that was always my plan c you know if the coffee shop didn't work i could always just sell the place sell the building you know um but i luckily i found a, a lady to that wanted to operate it and so she moved in and and uh and she is one of those tour type people i was talking about um she actually loves it you know she's she's very passionate about it she's you know everybody in town knows her you know like oh nice and, uh, you know so and she has that kind of local culture development passion um that was you know it's not you know she's like flipped from where i was where you know, the coffee shop was just the means to the end of having a venue. You know, I thought, well, coffee shop will pay the bills. Then I could bring in whatever acts I want. You know, I don't have to worry about, you know, but she's, you know, she's more on the side of like, I'm running this coffee shop as a business, but I still love to have bands and comics and stuff come through. So I'm kind of, I, and I'm still to some degree, I'm still, I'm still booking some shows. I'm still, you know, running some open mics there and and doing the radioactive theater show there. Um, I'm, I am, you know, right now, you know, it's almost like, uh, you know, it's like getting out of a bad relationship. It's like, sometimes it's hard to go to the coffee shop and, and like, you know, it's like painful. Uh, so I, I, I've been distancing myself a little bit, uh, just here, you know, it's only been, you know, a few months now, but I think at some point I'm sure I'll kind of, rebound and and i'll start booking some more stuff i've i've been sort of, and all but you know it's also a valuable skill for her you know to, i've been sort of to find her own whenever.
0: events and stuff
1: yes exactly because i'm still people are still contacting me about booking stuff and instead of me booking it i send it to her and i you know kind of went through a process of saying uh you know here's how i usually handle you know ticketing and and uh you know we usually you know, we'll split the door or we'll offer them this or, you know, you know, I have different ways of handling different types of acts and stuff. And, and, uh, and I kind of just try to give her some guidance on that and let her take it over. Yeah. <clears throat> well, that's yeah, cool. But, so, so yeah. let's
0: talk about, um, your land development, um, all that stuff. Cause that's where you've, that's like your job now.
1: Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, yeah, well, so I think I mentioned, I put in somewhere around 270 trees. Uh, that's kind of, I figured, you know, phase one, uh, that's the first thing I wanted to do. It's, and it's, they're really, it's kind of a privacy fence, uh, or privacy, uh, hedge, I guess.
0: Uh-huh. Uh,
1: cause I thought, you know, I, I, you know, I have big ideas, big plans for the homestead. And, you know, first thing I want to do is uh not advertise everything i'm doing there <laughs> so um, and uh so yeah i I planted them I've got like seven hundred feet of highway frontage there so i I planted you know uh three rows of of pine and spruce trees uh that hopefully will fill in and create like a thirty foot thick hedge uh, over the next few years and um, and I've got some guys that have come out, uh, the property, uh, most recently, well, most recently, it was just being rented by, by a hoarder that, uh, <laughs> like filled the, oh, uh, man the existing buildings with a ton of junk or multiple tons of junk, I guess, literally. Um, so yeah, dealing with that has been an ongoing process, but, uh, I estimate something like 10 to 15 years ago, it was operating as a like an animal, like a small animal. Uh, I don't know if it was like a petting zoo or like I found a business card. And so it was called Munchkin Acres. And, (laughs) uh, and uh, they apparently, you know, they specialized in like miniature animals and Uh I don't know Uh what they were, they were selling those to people or, you know, what they were doing, but, but there, you know, there were a bunch of old you know sheds and uh fenced in areas and stuff but it was all you know anything that was wooden was rotting and falling apart oh and all the, that's you know, too bad yeah everything so it didn't the- matter
0: if they were human sized or munchkin sized which is gonna be my question
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so but i uh so i i had to uh, so i just yeah i had some i hired a guy a couple guys to come in and just bulldoze everything down basically uh so i can start from scratch on on all that yeah. then, you know i figured instead of me working on it for like a year they could take care of it in like three days
0: <clears throat> yeah so what else do you have planned there you said you you want your homestead to be there
1: yes well so the plan is still a little bit amorphous i i'm kind of I'm, you know, I'm just spending more time out there, you know, in the process of, you know, putting in these trees, putting in fencing, working out irrigation. You know, you know, I think, you know, I'm a fan of the permaculture principles and, you know, I think the first principle is, is observe. So I'm just sort of walking the property a lot and kind of getting a sense of water flows and, and wind and, you know, where the, you know, and just the, 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 you know, you know it's the there's not a lot of flat ground so picking sites for things it's like you know well this would be a good site for a house but also maybe that'd be a good place for a garden i you know maybe what's what's the priority you know and you know this is the time to decide and to design it on a large scale so yeah i you know and i i haven't uh i don't know it's there's still a lot of work to be done there just kind of planning and designing uh that i'm i'm you know where i'm living now i it's you know it's very comfortable i've got a nice garden (laughs) so it you know it uh i'm not like in a big rush to move out of here i'm kind of
0: that's a perfect situation
1: yes exactly yeah i so but it also you know it doesn't give me a lot of motivation
0: (laughs) oh yeah there's that (laughs) you
1: know so i uh but, you know, this has been, again, this is like another thing that goes back 20 plus years, you know, this is what I've always wanted to do, because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm a little bit limited, because I live in town currently.
0: Right. Um, and I just I feel like ya. to get
1: out there, you know. I feel you uh,
0: there. I'm, you know, we've, we've got a nice plot of land, but we are in town, and that has yeah. its limitations.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but that, that's so in kind of parallel to developing the land out there. Um, I have also been developing my yard at home, uh, where I had this spring, you know, over the last couple of years I had built, I had, uh, I think I had like nine raised beds in my yard. Um, and <clears throat> cause I thought they'd be easier to maintain. Um, and, and, uh, and I guess they and were. They are. Sorry, but, I yeah. think they
0: are. We've, I think we've got 13 or 14, something like that. Got yeah, a bunch of them.
1: Yeah. Well, this year I disassembled all the raised beds and I spread all that good soil I'd been building in there uh, into the yard. And I just tilled up the whole yard, all the oh, grass. that wow. was, you know, because that was kind of ultimately my goal. I wanted to eventually fill the whole yard with raised beds and, you know, just get rid of the, the lawn, you know. But uh, instead of, you know, building more raised beds, I just, yeah, like I said, I just tilled up the whole yard. So... I'm trying to, you know, it probably increased my growing area by 10 times. Yeah. Um, So see how that goes this year. And I'm thinking about getting some rabbits and some, uh, maybe some chickens. Nice. uh, Just here at home as kind of practice for when I move out.
0: Yeah. uh, We're, we're, we're on the verge of chickens. We've got a coop already and just got to kind of get some stuff out of the way and, and build the pen and. I mean, like I said, we've got the coop. It's just putting some stakes in the ground and wrapping chicken wire around them. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> but nice. uh,
0: but we had a big tree in the way that's on mm-hmm. its side right now, and just getting it cut up and dealt with is sort of in the way of actually uh, getting chickens in there. But yeah, we're, since we're in yeah. town, we're just gonna stick to hens.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, so, yeah, that was one of the things. So I feel like you know I live you know the town I live in is not very big. Um, But I feel like in a way, like the city government, like overcompensates or something, you know, they had an ordinance, like an anti livestock ordinance, you know, you weren't supposed to be allowed to have chickens like within 100 feet of a a house or something like that. And, you know, but, uh, you know, I, but I know I've been hearing down the street, one of my neighbors has a rooster. I can hear him crowing. So (laughs) I've been like, okay, well then why am I not doing this?
0: (laughs) Dude, you're just, you're just like us. We were like, oh, they, they have some ordinance against chickens. So I guess we'll try rabbits instead. And then we saw another place right in town with chickens. And we're like, hold on a second. If they're doing it, we can do it. And we'd rather have chickens than rabbits. So (laughs) let's just do it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I'm, I grew up when, when, uh, well when we first moved to the to this area um we we were like on a bare piece of land uh and you know kind of cleared some space and built a uh, well sort of a house it was like two trailers with like a connecting room in between them and uh but it was like sort of a farm we had some cows we had some horses um and one year when i was probably around like 10 my mom and her boyfriend like they got into uh rabbits and we had like two to 300 rabbits at one point, Wow! Like this whole barn full. And uh, he, my mom's boyfriend had built these raised, like levitated cages. You know, they're like hanging from the ceiling on wires. Huh. So they would just poop through the bottom of the cage, but we never cleaned it out, you know, and Eventually, oh, I don't know what happened i I don't know what the plan even was if we were supposed to be selling them for meat or selling them as breeders or like I was too young you know I wasn't part of that process but or part of the you know decision making process, but I just know we ended up killing all of them and uh, eating a lot of rabbit and you know giving away some selling some <laughs> uh, and then we spent a whole summer like wheelbarrowing out the 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 rabbit poop you know. <laughs> <laughs> Or maybe not a whole summer, but, you know, it seemed like a long time. Right. Oh, man. And the, like, it was just, and you'd go into the barn, it was like the ammonia fumes were just, (laughs) it was like a a gas chamber. Huh. It was like, you know, super
0: hot and... It sounds like whatever (laughs) the plan was, it didn't get executed. (laughs) Yeah, no.
1: I don't, yeah, I don't think they thought it through very well. Like, you know, they had a lot of ideas, you know, they're, actually it's kind of weird to think, like, yeah. My mom, you know, had me when she was 17. So, you know, like, I think at that time she was only like in her early twenties, you know, and trying to, I don't know. I mean, with, yeah. with a couple kids Man, and
0: 17, you're still a kid. Like, yeah, you don't know how to adult yet.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. Wow. Yeah. I think, you know, I was, you know, you know, now I'm like in my forties and just thinking like, yeah, when she was my age, like she had adult kids, you know, like yeah, I remember thinking when I was in college, it's like, you know, I, yeah, I didn't have to grow up. So, well, actually I kind of did. I was like the man of the house for, <laughs> I guess, I think that has contributed to my responsibility uh, in <laughs> kind of
0: learning but, how to uh, microwave your own dinners.
1: Yes. Oh yeah. And you know, just, yeah, bake well, and I actually, I remember when the house we lived in when I was in kindergarten. So I was like five years old or something like that. And I do, I remember, you know, my mom being sick and I tried to make her like tuna, like a tuna fish sandwich. <laughs> and, and, uh, and it was uh well, so part of this, I have like, you know, flashes of memory, but it's also a story that she's told. So, you know, I don't know how much of it's, uh you know, you know, created, but, but like, yeah, I like went in the kitchen. I got a can of tuna, like threw it in a bowl, and threw some mayonnaise with it. And but uh, it was tuna in oils, and I did I didn't know you had to drain it, you know. So uh. I just dumped a whole, and it, apparently it was a pretty revolting mess. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, yeah, mayo, you know. you're
0: adding more oil.
1: <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know, try and take care of business. <laughs>
0: Well, now you know tuna in water is how to make the sandwich with the mayo.
1: Yeah, right. Well, you can use the tuna in oil. You just got to drain the oil. Okay. You know, because it's too much. Yeah. And actually, yeah. you probably don't want it. I think they use like safflower oil or some something, something. Do they else. really? Huh. I don't know what they oh, use that's... now. It's probably soybean oil now. Gross.
0: Yeah, we get like the, what, sardines in a can kind of thing and really like them. Should be careful. Yeah. I guess we should be careful about what oil that is. I think it's I think it's olive oil that they're in.
1: Yeah. But yeah, I I was just listening to a podcast recently and they were talking about um Crisco and I never knew that Crisco stands for crystallized cottonseed oil. Crisco. <laughs> um and you know, and that's that's kind of the poster child for terrible seed oils and hydrogenated oils. Uh, and that's kind of the original, I think. You know, when they decided it wasn't an yeah. a, a industrial lubricant anymore and it was fit for human consumption.
0: <laughs> oh, man. And, yeah, rapeseed oil is the other one that they renamed canola so that it yeah. would sound nicer.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, and that's taken the whole conversation in a different direction, you know.
0: Well, yeah, we can go there for sure. That whole <laughs> seed oils yeah. thing is, is interesting. I've stopped buying... Um, regular mayo and i've stopped buying regular salad dressing because of like the Mm. seed oils in them um so now like a bottle of salad dressing that used to be three or four dollars is now like eight because um because the one that has the avocado oil is so much more expensive and there's nothing that has like just olive oil it's it's hard to find mayo even like a lot of the olive oil mayo that you see at the store it actually Mm. has other oils in it it just it's like it's with olive oil it has some yeah. olive oil
1: <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah right well an avocado oil it yeah i think it like doubled in price practically it doesn't surprise uh, me
0: there's yeah, a I lot of demand for oil avocados oil. in general and of course we have to have them all shipped in
1: right yeah <clears throat> well actually i guess i don't have a lot to say about uh, seed oil in as general aside from <laughs> yeah, <eat> them. yeah. <laughs> everybody should look yeah. into that if you're yeah, already just aware uh, something to be
0: aware of
1: <laughs> yeah um, yeah well and i guess that kind of reminds if, me if you have I cancer guess,
0: definitely get off of that even though your doctor probably didn't tell you to
1: <laughs> right yeah yeah that reminds me of um well, we kind of touched on other podcasters, which I don't know how you feel. How do you feel about that, like talking about other podcasters on here? Like, Oh,
0: I don't... I am, In general, I don't mind. You know, I hear people talk about other podcasts in general, like on other podcasts. So like, yeah, it's fine.
1: Yeah, like that's how I've been turned on to a lot of stuff, you know? A lot yeah. of, probably most of what I listen to now, I didn't find it on my own. It was like a guest on somebody else's show or...
0: Yeah, know, yeah. Um, a lot of the people I found were early guests on, you know, Lions of Liberty and, um, Oh, I don't remember Tom Woods, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, that's, you know, actually who I was thinking of was John Odermat, like with his new kind of what finding freedom, uh, you know, he's been talking a lot about health stuff. uh, Oh yeah. I haven't checked in with
0: him in quite a while, actually. Interesting. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, and actually I've corresponded, I've reached out to him a couple of times on Facebook, um, because he'll mention something in the show and I'll, you know, say, Hey, you mentioned this thing. Uh, could you clarify that a little bit, you know? And, um, I actually just started taking creatine like last week. Um, because apparently there's some neurological benefit to it. And I, I don't know if it's a placebo or not, but I think I've been feeling it. (laughs) Nice. Um, and, uh, uh, and, but yeah, of course he's done some episodes on seed oils and, and, uh, just general, you know, stuff like that. You know, I don't, I don't remember exactly, but, but yeah, his show now is kind of a mix of, it's definitely a lot of health-based stuff. Um, but also he's kind of embracing his, uh, uh, spirituality, I guess his Christian uh, journey, which is, oh. uh. So that's a kind of you know a bit of a departure from before uh but he's also he's started now he's kind of mixing in some more of the like his old show or the uh Felony Friday um mm-hmm. he's still talking to some people that have you know gone through the the system.
0: Yeah, a lot of those shows um like I said I haven't checked in with him in a while but a lot of those Felony Friday shows were very eye-opening for me. But they were also so uncomfortable a lot of the time. And like, it's a lot of the time it's just not what I want to listen to because of how dark some of it gets. Yeah. Um,
1: Oh, yeah. Some difficult
0: material there.
1: Oh, yeah. 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 It's interesting, though. I mean, yeah. But it's like some of it feels. Yeah. um... But I'm
0: I'm glad I learned some of the stuff I did, too. You know?
1: (laughs) Right. Right. Right right
0: just about how the criminal justice system works especially
1: right yeah because you know we we have a sense you know that it's not great (laughs) but when you actually hear the first-hand stories it's yeah that's that's a whole nother level very powerful for sure yeah Yeah. (laughs) actually i guess one thing i wanted to bring up i guess speaking of uh, i guess not other podcasts but yours uh, uh that episode with um with chris uh the guy the filmmaker um, Chris koffer koffer, yeah yeah I definitely I, I want to reach out to him i think i that's one thing since I've had some free time i've been uh, uh tinkering with the idea of getting back into doing some filmmaking like you know that's you know one of my first passions cool so i uh the the uh, that horror film he was talking about i think I, I want to look into that and see what they're if they're looking for any cast or any uh, or or uh, you know tech people or or yeah, I don't. He didn't. He he was a little. I guess they're still trying to work out funding and stuff.
0: Yeah, mm. it sounds like they probably have most of it lined up, other than the funding, and it's just getting like the green light from whatever the funders or financial um, third party is or however it works. Sounds like other than that, they've probably got it pretty uh, hooked up. But I mean, you could certainly, I can put you in touch with him if you want, because um, he he would be interested in making contact with you anyway, just uh, as someone, you know, in the freedom community who uh, is interested in doing film stuff.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's a good point. Because I think, well, well, that's another thing, you know, I guess going back to Lions of Liberty again, like uh, Brian McWilliams, you know, he he's in, he's a writer, right? He's in LA. And, uh, you know, I'm sure it's, you know, obviously it's a struggle to, (laughs) you know, the, uh, the, the freedom-minded viewpoint doesn't get much play out there. Right. You know, it's, and kind of my, I'm, uh, when I was doing my film and it's, it's sort of my, my fantasy master plan, you know, once I get the homestead and, you know, and I'm like, okay, well now I'm just you know, I, I've achieved, uh, my, my level of freedom and now what am I going to do? Uh, like I've, I've always fantasized about like the, my, uh, my idols, filmmaking idols were like Robert Rodriguez and, um, Peter Jackson. Um, hmm. uh, Robert R- Rodriguez, uh, you know, being, you know, he did, uh, El Mariachi and then Desperado and, once uh, upon once upon a time, Mexico. He does the Spy Kids movies, like, and huh. and I don't know if, how if you're you know how if you're familiar with his, uh, his you know he not is really. Based I in guess Austin. I've seen
0: Desperado, but not really any of the other ones.
1: Okay, well, so Desperado is like the second movie in a trill. They call it the the Mexico trilogy, and his story was he was just a guy. He just wanted to make movies. Uh, he has a book called Rebel Without a Crew, and uh, I think he, he did like a, a, a medical experiment thing where he went in and they paid him $5,000 or $7,000, you know, to do this medical study thing. And, uh, he, he put that money into making this movie, El Mariachi, that he was just going to sell into the Mexican video market. Uh, just a, just an action movie, you know, nothing fancy. And, but he lit it, shot it, you know, uh, his camera, you know, didn't do sync sound, so he had to, though know, he would shoot the scene and then record the sound, and then he would like sync it up later. He, huh. You know, I believe he he did all the music himself. You know, he was a one man film production unit. Wow! Like, and this is on film. You know, in the uh, what was, uh, you know, late '80s, early '90s. I don't remember exactly when it was, but so. Yeah. uh, and uh, So he but, you know, the film, I don't remember how, you know, how it did it, but somehow it got into like the Sundance Film Festival and became this sensation uh, and, you know, ended up making millions of dollars. And and he became, you know, like a, a Hollywood player. And but he is still based in Austin. He's like created his own film industry in Austin. He's still, as far as I know, operates out of his own house he's got like a loft over his garage and he does he like does his own music production um he does his own green screen stuff like you know he's just developed his own like little industry there wow that's really something uh, yeah and and the spy kids movies alone have grossed over a billion dollars now apparently you know as of i mean this is probably this is old information like 10 years ago and and he's, you know, now he has a TV station or TV network, L Ray And, you know, so he's just living the dream, you know. Um, so that was always, uh, that's always, you know, been, you know, like a fantasy of mine. And of, I'm sure thousands of other people, yeah. <laughs> but, um, and then Peter Jackson, you know, he, you know, famously has, you know, he did the Lord of the Rings movies, yep. King Kong, you know, he's huge, right? Didn't um, he do
0: um, Avatar as well?
1: that was james cameron oh Uh, sorry the direct but i wouldn't be well james cameron's pretty into the visual effects stuff but well one thing that peter jackson did is he created a visual effects company uh that's called weta weta industries or something like that um and he it is one of the top like visual effects companies in the world now so i wouldn't be surprised if they were somewhat involved with avatar Hmm. Um, but i do know james cameron he's kind of a Techie nerd. So I think he develops a lot of his own like effects and stuff. So he may not play well with, yeah, right. right, right. (laughs) Gotcha. But, uh, but, but so Peter Jackson, he started out, you know, he's from New Zealand and he just like there's a, his first movie was called Bad Taste. And it is, it's really silly. I uh, like when I was in high school, you know, like I'd go to the video store, rent a bunch of movies, you know, and that was one of the ones we discovered you know back in the like mid 90s before by you know before he had really broken out and it's it's gory and it's gross and and it's you know it's obviously very low budget he made it over the course of four years and you know it did pretty well they made uh like this really crazy like puppet-based movie called meet the feebles uh and then he did one called dead alive that is a it was called brain dead originally i think and then But there was already a movie called that. They're rights issues. So they changed it to Dead Alive. And it's like the. I think it did at one point, it may still hold the record for most uh, blood used in a scene. Or uh, (laughs) there's like a pretty famous scene that, yeah, I won't spoil it, but it's worth checking out. It's like a horror comedy thing. It's really, it's pretty impressive. Like you can see the guy was a master of cra- of his craft you know like even on low budget you know he was visionary even in those early days um but he did the same thing but in New Zealand you know he created a film industry that basically didn't exist before and now it's you know one of the biggest in the world you know and, yeah. and like I say, you know going back to the narcissistic delusional uh nature of uh, creative people uh you know that's one of my you know kind of fantasies that you know now I'm you know probably too old now to actually achieve it here. But, uh, you know, someday I might, I, I think about moving in that direction, trying to create like, you know, some kind of a studio here, you know, in the middle of the country as you know, California burns and, and, uh, you know, they're, they may be looking for some, you know, they've already been uh, headquartered a lot of stuff in Georgia and Louisiana and Iowa.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I mean, if it's something you want to build anyway, and then you're able to get some customers in there, then that works out pretty well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But of course I have to shift focus. You know, I got to start doing that work again. Well, you know, yeah. I can't just, it's not going to just happen, you know, and that's something, you know, <laughs> I'm, yeah I'm that's, not that's a early. long way
0: down the road f- as far as the yes. uh, homestead goes but that's something mm-hmm. me and my uh, siblings have talked about is like if we ever get like a family farm it would be awesome to have some uh, common area that would include music space um, mm-hmm. stuff like that
1: yeah and that's one thing so I, I, even I guess like as going...
0: events center type stuff too oh. sorry
1: yeah yeah oh yeah for sure Yeah. And so, you know, and I've developed, you know, I've now I've run a venue, I've booked bands, I've booked comics, I, you know, I know how to operate that. You know, I do the performance side, I do the tech side. You know, I've got I've been developing skills that could be applied to, well, like something like that, a performance venue. Um, It's been like 10 years since I've really seriously done any like filmmaking stuff. But, you know, I, I feel like I could get back into that without too much trouble. Like, you know, everything's kind of going into the quiver, you know, and, uh, I just got to decide when I'm, what I'm going to execute and, and push for.
0: <clears throat> right. And that's kind
1: of where I am now. <laughs> so how Getting is it,
0: in. um, like managing, like being a landlord, managing the other properties and stuff.
1: That is something that I, fortunately I did have a really, uh, so I went into that with a friend and kind of the division of labor was he dealt with the renters and I dealt with the books and the, and the, uh, oh. logistics and, and, uh, you know, and, uh, so yes, which was, you know, basically what I was trying to replicate with the coffee shop <clears throat> and yeah, that went, it worked great. Uh, so, but yes, I, I do occasionally, you know, handle renter stuff. I, I'll do handyman stuff here and there, but, for the most part, um, I, yeah, but I've been able to th- find good management, uh, so that I don't have to do a lot of that stuff. Nice. You know, Hands on.
0: Nice. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, well, and I guess, you know, I mean, going back to like the entre- entrepreneurship side of it, cause I, you know, I have people ask me all the time about, you know, how to get in the business and, you know, and, and, you know, it's, you know, there's no magic to it, you know, it, I mean, there's some luck and, and, uh, being ready for opportunities. You know, I mean, that's, I guess what one definition of luck is, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, when opportunity meets preparedness or something like that. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, that's, and that's kind of how I got into the business. I, um, after the 2008 bubble burst, you know, the market was flooded with all these, like, you know, foreclosures that. The banks had been sitting on for a year and uh they were the prices were dropping and and I had just i had actually i had like a corporate job a cubicle job that I will never do again <laughs> <laughs> uh but it was a nice salary and <clears throat> I had some money in the bank and and um I just yeah I, well i so this friend of mine he he kind of had a nose for that sort of thing and he's like hey there's this four bedroom house over here for twenty thousand bucks like Oh my gosh. What do you think about? Yeah. And it was just, yeah, it was like crazy. The deals that were out there at that time. Um, So, you know, that's probably never going to happen again at that level. I think we are due for some kind of major correction in the housing market. It it seems
0: like it's pretty set to hit the commercial market hard and who knows what will happen with residential because residential has been, I think residential has been pretty strong at least um, outside of the cities.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, that's, you know, here where I live. I mean, this is kind of another digression, but I think I can keep it somewhat short. Uh, um, We didn't lock down, you know, like in 2020, it was actually, it was like front page news on like USA Today. You know, we're having like the bars here. We're having like pool parties on Memorial Day (laughs) weekend, you know, which was like intended to shame us, I guess, but it actually drove tons of people here. Uh, you know, like, uh, not only did the, was it were the tourism numbers almost doubled, but house sales or, you know, or property sales in general, like were, I don't know what the normal numbers were, but it, you know, we did over a billion dollars a year for two consecutive years, which, you know, like to put that in perspective, you know, you can buy like a hundred acres for like $300,000, you know, like, uh, you know, a billion dollars is a lot of lot of property like an expensive lake house is like three million dollars you know so that was a lot of people flooding into the area for sure man so well that's that's awesome that
0: you managed to be in an area that didn't lock down that's very cool
1: yeah right which you know again it's a little bit of luck but also it just you know this is where i grew up i kind of know i know the culture and that's the culture we have kind of a you know, we have a very freedom-minded population here, (laughs) um, which I think is almost, you know, presents some issues now because I feel like we're on the radar. Uh, We're like almost, you know, I feel like we've almost been, we're almost being targeted now.
0: Oh yeah. How so? Uh, so?
1: By like like, media?
0: uh, What's that? By media?
1: Well, media for sure, but also like, uh, you know, I've, I, I, you know, years ago I got pretty politically active and then I, I kind of walked away from that because it's really gross. And, uh, uh, but now I, now I'm kind of, I'm at least, uh, um, engaged, you know, I'm paying attention to what's going on locally here, like in the, you know, the city council and the, uh, school board and stuff. And, um, I, you know, so I was going to like these city council debates and and, like the meet and greets for the candidates and, and there's people that, you know, I don't, I, you know, I don't know, it's hard to say how coordinated it is, you know, it may just be a coincidence, but, but there were, you know, a couple candidates that were like, oh yeah, yeah, local. And, uh, you know, I've been, you know, been a local for 30 years and, and, you know, uh, but then it's like, no, they owned a, they owned a lake house for 30 years, but they, They just moved down here like two years ago and they're like, I don't know. They just seem like they're trying to like infiltrate the local government. You know, this I Mm. mean, it sounds kind of conspiratorial or whatever, but it's like what
0: actually I I feel like there's some, some (laughs) other podcast I was listening to talked about something very much like that, where there was someone who was just very irrationally um, sticking to some kind of agenda that was not at all the agenda of the people actually in the community.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I don't know. And I, you know, I, I don't know, I'm, I'll admit to being kind of paranoid. And, and, uh, you know, but I'm, you know, I, I'm planning to stay here, I, w- I want to protect, you know, our way of life here, you know, so, you know, that's why I'm getting more engaged. And, and, uh you know, but it does, I don't know, it, it feels like, that I don't know. We, I feel like we're kind of a stronghold for this kind of, uh, for, for, you know, just people that want to not be, you know, I don't know, <laughs> like oppressed by the, the whims of, of the federal government or, yeah. or whoever. Uh, but like where that is sort of an issue is I think people here are so comfortable. They've never had to face that, you know, it, nobody, we've always just kind of went, you know, like under the radar And so people were like, ah, you know, that's never going to happen here. You know, that's something that's those crazy people in Chicago and, you know, LA or whatever. And, or, or even, you know, just came to see your St. Louis, you know, but it's like, we gotta, yeah, I don't know, just be a little more engaged and keep an eye on things.
0: So, so when you say engaged, are you meaning just paying attention? You said you're actually going to the meetings. Are you getting up and saying stuff? Like, are you getting involved? Is that part of what you mean by engaged? Uh,
1: I haven't really been not really directly involved so far. I've, I've just kind of, well, because this is kind of new for me in the next, in the last year or so, I've you know, like with the coffee shop again, that's like my excuse for everything. Uh, <laughs> I, I was, you know, just totally absorbed by that. But now yeah. that I'm sort of, I've, Uh, you know there's this guy that goes to the city council meetings and he does he writes a blog it's actually really great he's like a former law enforcement guy from like la or something um so and he i think he might have been part of a city council there or not la but you know kind of in that west coast extended uh, region you know right one of the yeah and um so but he's again he's kind of, you know, libertarian conservative-ish, you know, whatever it is. Um so he kind of sees things through that lens, but he also has this kind of experience and he's like, you know, you can tell he's like, okay, I think I've seen this before. You know, here's here's one from the old playbook. Uh and and but he does it's like it's, you know, it's reasonably objective, you know, there's definitely no objectivity uh <laughs> 100% in any media, but but um so I've been reading his stuff regularly and, you know, kind of his analysis, you know, even before I, you know, left the coffee shop um, and, you know, meeting the candidates. And like I said, you know, uh, but yeah, personally, I haven't got, you know, I'm not like a voice, you know, I'm, you know, that's one thing I, you know, I, I am mean, in a way, I guess I'm part of the problem, you know, it's like, I don't want to, I don't want to have to do it, you know,
0: oh, <laughs> that's, no, yeah, that's I how mean... everybody is. Yeah, that's how I am, too. Like, I know, you know, maybe I could make a difference by getting involved. Um, Mm -hmm. I also know from trying to go to one meeting that it was, like, the kind of stuff that drives me insane. Like, I don't think Mm -hmm. I can handle it. Mentally, you know, like it's just I I don't like those people. (laughs) Right. Well,
1: yeah, see, and it's kind of like what I was saying about like the manager, you know, my issues having a manager and like I ended up doing it because I couldn't find somebody competent to do it. You know, I so I I know I I I could, you know, I can do just about anything that I set my mind to, but am I suited to it? Is it am I the best person to do it? Probably not. Like in this case, you know, especially, you know, like we, the guy that got elected as commissioner this last time, I think he was, um, he's, he's great. Like he's the perfect guy, like, you know, especially at this time. Um, you know, so I, I'm, I'm more effective just supporting him, you know, like that's a better role for me. Um, but I think, you know, I, I don't know that it's not outside of the realm of possibilities that I would get more involved at some point. Uh, You know, I just kind of, you know, I'm just watching and, you know, (laughs) hoping that doesn't become the case, you know, and we get, you know, we continue to get good people that are actually wanting to do that.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good that you do have some good people there wanting to do it. Um, Yeah. I mean, right around here, we're about to have the uh, primaries tomorrow and I'm still Mm. registered libertarian. So it's like, well, I guess I can't really go and even vote, (laughs) you know, like even that small amount. My dad, my dad has started working the polls since he retired. And so he's like, he puts a lot of effort into this stuff. And, uh, yeah, I feel a little bit, um, lazy for not even, you know, going to vote. I mean, I could just change my, um, registration and be Republican and go vote for, someone who i figured was good <laughs> but yeah. uh i don't know i also you know i don't have a lot of trust in the voting system but i think at the local level if there's any level where it's um where it's actually something that's going to make a difference it's the local level
1: right yeah and that's you know yeah that's definitely one of those things that for years i didn't vote because i was you know thinking now yeah, why bother and but like the last election we had the school board election, I uh, was just a couple, it might've been last month or it was within the last couple of months. And the top, I think there were, I think there were five candidates and they were, you know, this, they were electing three out of the five and uh, the top four candidates were within 10 votes of each other. And uh, then the, you know, the fifth candidate wow. was like within 30 votes or something like that. You know, so, it was you know it's that's pretty tight that is I think the top two or three candidates were within five you know three to five votes, you know, so you know, yeah, and I think and that's you know that could be a significant thing, you know, making sure you get the right people in there, yeah, stuff like these the school boards um
0: you know just uh the the whole critical theory thing mm-hmm. slash woke agenda has been. big issue with schools and those are just as local as you can get and it can make Mm -hmm. a huge difference for some lives if you can keep those kids from being indoctrinated with just the most perverse um, despicable shit
1: right right Yeah. yeah I mean I think there's a good argument that you know that may be one of the most important things that we could be doing is you know making you know kind of protecting them you know and they cuz yeah that's the foundation of <laughs> of the next generation
0: yeah <clears throat> yeah and, not not that i think in an ideal world we have the right to tell anyone else what to do unless they're you know causing aggression but um
1: right
0: there's there's a place where you do it defensively and to protect yeah. people
1: <laughs> right yeah even uh i think uh what who's the guy the no no treason uh is that lysander spooner Spooner? Spooner. yeah you know i think that was you know he even said you know voting defensively is i mean that's kind of i think it was him
0: yeah i think he did have a section about that in in there because i listened to that um a year or two ago and there there he he did make that caveat
1: (laughs) yeah it's and but i think and i think the way he sort of portrayed it as accurate it's like it's unfortunate that that's the case but it is like you know sometimes you have to vote defensively or else i mean because that's the system we're in you know it's like you're gonna you're just gonna get demolished otherwise you know that's you know that's the only chance you have sometimes yeah yep you know but that is not a good way to run a system a government or a a society
0: (laughs) right Right. yeah ideally you wouldn't always be having to fend off um, some sort of uh, oppressor or right or whatever but um, right kind of it kind of is just the, the way of nature is that you do always have some sort of challenge to your freedom yeah
1: right and it's yeah just yeah, I guess the the uh, you know, insidious thing about it now that uh, you know, it seems you know, I hear you know a lot of people are starting to talk more about, I think, is how decentralized it is, I guess, you know, which, you know, I think decentralization, it's like, oh, yeah, that's what we want. Right. But but it's like, but then who do you hold accountable? You know, how do you stop that?
0: Right. It's the uh, the seven headed beast. And every time you cut off one head, seven heads grow back in its place. Yeah, it's kind of like that thing. It's uh, yeah, there's there's so much um, diversion of responsibility that uh, it's uh, it is very hard to figure out who to hold responsible. But, you know, um, one of my friends just the other day said how we need to stop looking at these things like these big institutions as a big institution and start looking at it as the people in the institution. It's, mm-hmm. the, people, it's the people doing it who are held responsible. Like, mm-hmm. it's, I mean, really, it's the order followers. If, mm-hmm. if, if, if the cop is violating your rights, it's that cop. It's not whoever yeah. told him to do it. It's him who's doing it, you know? Right. So... That is who could be held responsible <laughs> for. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Did you see? There was like a clip going around a couple of days ago. Um, I guess there were, there was like a couple ATF agents. There was like a woman and a guy uh, talking to some guy that was, I think he like manufactures um, like gear, uh, like slings and stuff. Okay. And uh, they, they, um, it's, it seemed like they stopped him on the street or maybe they were just like outside his, his business or something. And, and they're saying, Hey, we have you on the list here, uh, that you, you purchased this, some kind of trigger or something that the ATF has now determined is illegal. And, uh, or I guess, or so they say, I guess it hasn't even passed Congress or anything. It's, you know, but they're trying to you know, go around and collect these or, you know, I guess, you know, kind of mark whoever's not complying. And, uh and he, it's like, it was really a pretty good back and forth. He was very respectful and, and uh you know, and, and they, you know, they left on like, you know, like cordial terms, you know, but he was like, uh yeah, that's a, you know, it's not a law. I'm not going to respect it. You're, you're trying to, you know, uh you're, uh you're overstepping your bounds here, you know, like you're, you're working for, you're uh, an illegal uh, organization trying to enforce illegal laws, uh, you know, and I'm not going to contribute to that, you know, kind of like he just like, like, it was, it was really, it was pretty, uh, pretty cool. Like it's the sort of thing that I, I absolutely, I, I don't think I would have the the balls to do, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I would, I love to see that. I, I could get um, defiant and belligerent, but it's unlikely that I would put together a really good argument.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. But that's, you know, I mean, to me, that's like kind of aspirational, I guess. You know? Yeah, for sure. And, and like, and like I said, and the way he handled it was very, like they left, like, I mean, they were, they, nobody raised their voice and, you know, it wasn't confrontational, it wasn't, you know, no belligerence, but he, and, and what I think, you know, my hope coming out of that is that, that those people, then they start to reexamine, like, you know, I mean, I'm sure they don't because they're, you know, part of the, <laughs> The machine but but you know like that's the hope is that one of those people goes home and resigns you know because they're like ah, man i am a piece of shit
0: <laughs> right yeah yeah that is the hope um that you kind of get through something to one of them make them think a little bit right yeah yeah and and when it comes down to it the law is pretty simple because it's the bill of rights from, mm-hmm. from our perspective and pretty much everything else that's piled on top of it is not really, I mean, obviously, you know, murder is illegal, theft is illegal. Like those are, those are also laws, but, mm-hmm. um, but a lot of, a lot of man's law is kind of null and void because it's not based on true law.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's, um, yeah, I had a.
0: Well, and because its enforcers have already like broken their own laws over and over again. Right. That's right. if there's one way to nullify law, it's by the enforcers, the creators of the law, breaking it.
1: <laughs> right. Which is the uh, again, I just saw it. Well, I don't know. I can't. I consume so much media. It's you know, that's the disease of our, our age, I guess. It's like, uh, you know, uh, being kind of scatterbrained. It's like, like I know I saw this somewhere, but I don't, I can't source it. I can't. uh, (laughs) Yeah.
0: Oh, I'm Uh, like that too.
1: (laughs) But um, I saw a post of somebody talking about, uh, oh, well, just the term uh, anarcho tyranny. You know, it's like you create all these laws that you only enforce on the police. Who you choose to enforce them on. Yeah, right. You know. And so your inaction actually becomes the, the tyranny against the, the people that are obeying the laws. <laughs> like it's actually, it's pretty ingenious, you know, it's, uh, in a very evil way. Yeah. But I feel like that is starting to break into the mainstream, like that concept, which is, that's a pretty big thing. I don't know how mainstream, I don't know. I don't follow any mainstream, so I may be overstating that, but just the fact that I saw somebody tweeting that phrase today I think uh I was like huh interesting
0: yeah 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 I like that term anarcho-tyranny because it's a very good description for what we have going on right now and Mm -hmm. I don't remember who the quote is from but um any law that is unjust is no law at all Mm. um that I think it was one of the founders um yeah but I really like that like that that rings true to me (laughs) you know um but also something with our our modern situation is um they're not just they're like they're actually punishing good behavior and mm-hmm. rewarding bad behavior very like yeah. very explicitly it's yeah. weird like the whole credit <laughs> thing with with home buyers it's is very explicitly oh. rewarding bad behavior and um punishing good behavior it's like yeah. it's it's it couldn't be more obvious. So you're saying that like that concept is entering the mainstream. I'm sure it is in some way, even if it's not necessarily in that term. Um, It's become so blatant that, that people have to see it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Not everyone sees it obviously, but a lot more people are seeing it.
1: Right. Well, and I guess the the concern is that they'll see it, but not recognize it or not be disgusted by it, you know, like the, like so many other things just be like, well, I guess that's the way it is. I guess, uh, you know, uh, but yeah, I think the fact that people well, use the term, I guess, suggests that there's, you know, they understand that that's, that's not just business as usual. That's, you know, that's not acceptable.
0: <clears throat> yeah. Oh, well, I think, yeah. I think, um, a lot of it just comes down to, what are you going to do about it? So yeah. we end up sort of being more apathetic about these things because a, what are we going to do about it? And B, if, we, if what we're going to do about it is not dealing with it directly, but sort of going our own way and trying to like build freedom for ourselves. That's like, mm-hmm. then why should I care about that? <laughs> you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Which actually that is, you know, that's a, that's actually pretty valuable, you know, uh, you know, like uh, what at the the last workshop I went to, And, you know, I I think Jack, uh, you know, Jack Spierko, you know, he's he's been saying that for years. Yeah, that's that's very much his his attitude. It's
0: it's not the new rights attitude, but it is Jack's attitude.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I and I I'm somewhere in between. I, you know, that's well, like I I kind of I mentioned, I got a little bit into politics years ago. Like I was one of the Ron Paul guys back in 2007, 2008. Um, I got elected as a delegate, you know, at the county level. I went to the state convention or district convention, then the state convention. I didn't go to the national convention, but, you know, and I, you know, I got to see some of the, how it works from the inside. And, uh, and, and I was just like, Oh, okay, well this is, you can't do anything. Like they, they've got it, you know, they've, and I'm sure they've just got it. It's even better. You know, now they, they clamped down on us, you know, they shut down the caucuses because they weren't going their way. They, uh, and they did the same thing to Bernie Sanders and, you know, in the last two elections. Yeah. It was like, it was actually kind of hilarious or kind of fascinating, you know, to see that. It was like exactly the same thing, but you actually heard people complaining about it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, um, I know a guy who was also elected a delegate for his county or something, and they went down to nationals and they were kept out at gunpoint. Mm. Even though they were elected delegates, they were not allowed in there because they, I'm sure it was obvious who they were supporting, (laughs) you know?
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, after that experience, I was kind of like, all right, well, this is a, you know, it's just a, it's a game. And, you know, well, I mean, you know, George Carlin said, you know, it's a big uh, club and you ain't in it. Right. And that's what it is. You know, it's the Republican party, the Democrat party, they control politics at that level, you know. I mean, you can't even get a third party in the debates. You know, like it's just fundamentally right. And every time, know, every time accessible. you meet
0: their their arbitrary criteria for making a debate or whatever, make it on the ballot, they just change it. They just change the rules, yes. so you you're no longer qualified. Sorry.
1: Right, <laughs> and and they can justify it because it's like, well, this is a party function, and we, we can do whatever we want. You know, this it's is what this party function. stands for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, that was their excuse, you know, because we're like, but this is, you know, you're taking away our, our voting rights, but they're like, no, no, this is just within the party. Like this has nothing to do with your right as a citizen, you know? So, you know, it's, yeah, it's all controlled from the top down, like obviously. And, you know, but, you know, um, so yeah, that, that's when I kind of had made that realization. I think, I think I kind of made a half-hearted attempt in 2012, you know, but, you know, I was already kind of on the road to like build my own empire you know like make money uh you know buying property you know acquiring skills doing my gardening doing my you know like because like i i do i think that's and that all ties in with the local like what we need to do well uh you know john bush and uh uh i can't remember the other guy's name. yeah bros you know they've got the exit and build you know and they've been on that for a long time 10 years probably it seems like um, you know, and 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 also freedom cells. You know, this idea. You know, what we need is a lot of strong individuals. You know, with this mindset that can take care of themselves, and then like network, and you know, and then you know, create these strong communities. Because I think ultimately, you know, nullification is the only way. You know, to combat it. You know, because they they don't have the enforcement. You know, to come and at gunpoint every citizen that oppose, you know or every town you know and you know and I don't and it, it doesn't have you know obvious I don't want violence I don't you know I mean that's their game you know they're going to win that yeah, I mean,
0: game you're right nullification is really the least violent way to do it it's just you you kind of um, live your life build your community the way you see fit and if they try to extort you exploit you um whatever then <laughs> it's uh that's when it comes down to it like you're hopefully you don't have to defend yourself violently um like you said they don't have the enforcement to do it everywhere so it's just a matter of like of sticking up for yourself standing your ground really
1: right being steadfast yeah. i mean yeah ultimately they're a- it, they're just a big bully. That's how they do most of their business: is trying to uh, coerce compliance. I mean, that's what we saw, even with the the COVID stuff. You know, that's you know, they never mandated it, but they did everything right up to mandating it. They got your right. job to push on you. They got your church to push on you. That you got, you got you know supermarkets. You know, like <laughs> you know, so but yeah, they they, they made it, it real failed.
0: hard to live without getting that thing for a lot of people
1: yes yeah so you know that's the they part, certainly you know, coerced <laughs> what's that they certainly coerced oh for sure yeah there's no question yeah coercion they're very good at uh, i mean then they're also very good at violence yeah
0: and gaslighting um, just lying
1: yeah. <laughs> <Right. All that. laughs> yeah but it hasn't become you know as accepted to just go around executing citizens yet right yeah <laughs> But, uh, you know, hopefully we can start kind of turning things. Well, and that's, you know, and that's one of the fears, though, is, you know, like as, you know, the flailing of the dying animal, assuming, uh, you know, we start to, I mean, they're, you know, appear to be in, you know, some kind of collapse.
0: Oh, yeah, I would say so. Uh, The the question is, what is prepared to replace it? Because it could, as far as you know, um, our country and a lot of Europe, like they're obviously the beast that's flailing and dying. Uh, some of yeah. the other countries around the world might not be quite in that same position and they might be just ready right. to kind of roll in. Um, oh, so yeah. that's something to be aware of too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That was something that occurred to me at the at self-reliance festival that I think uh, CJ Kilmer was speaking. He's like a historian.
0: Yep. Oh yeah. I'm familiar with him
1: which I actually played music with him that night too. That was kind of fun. He's a guitar player. That's awesome. Uh, But um, yeah, uh, he, he did a presentation on um, kind of uh, what a a civilization or an empire in decline looks like throughout history. You know, it was like 10 points or eight points or something. And, 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 you know, I'm sure, you know, he kind of tailored it, but basically it was like every point looked exactly like what, the world looks like today like the us you know it's it's our foreign policy it's our economics it's our culture <laughs> yeah you know and and um uh and i can't remember i think maybe somebody had asked a question or i, I yeah i don't rem- i can't remember but somehow it, like it triggered a thought that i hadn't had before about china as you know up and coming superpower um well maybe you know who knows you know it's like well oh, they're they're know, certainly toward their the currency, top of the list their, their economy like <laughs> yeah right you know we think but you know who knows what's actually there you know they, right. you yeah. know, they very possibly are just an empty shell A paper you know? tiger yeah yeah i guess that's the, yeah but i i was thinking about like uh some of the other communists i mean they're like kind of this you know the weird hybrid thing now you know they're have the you know the special economic zones they are obviously becoming like more and more of an economic powerhouse but yeah China you know, you're talking about still what's that
0: you mean China, China. still
1: yeah, yeah yeah you know and and uh but fundamentally like you know and I I don't know I need to get I need to listen to more of uh more history stuff because I, I I could be wrong about this but my understanding of you know like the uh, the 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 cultural revolution the the uh, well, and I may be conflating things improperly, but like the 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 Cambodia, the Khmer Rouge and all this, you know, like there's this sort of a uh, anti um, huh, anti prosperity kind of thing. Like yeah. they want to destroy anything, you know, you know. Well, and that's kind of where you get to equity, right? You have to you have to you have to destroy your your right. uh, your your high, your top producers. Right,
0: Harrison you know, Bergeron. To, Handicap anything that's good and special about anyone to make sure everyone's yeah. all the same.
1: Yeah. So like it occurred to me that China, even if they are just a paper tiger, if they can drive the world in a direction like just, you know, with this influence and, and kind of strategy and just enough that it creates like this economic collapse and, and all this, all these issues like, they're succeeding in in that goal of, you know, kind of de-industrializing, like uh, like downgrading, you know, all of, uh, you know, human uh, society, uh, you know, from, you know, prosperity to, you know, something below that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, they, you know, they may not, you know, they don't need to invade and take over, you know, that's not, that's not their, that's not what they're doing, you know. They just... They're just trying, you know. I mean, philosophically, right uh, to take down the the big, the you know, the big power, uh, you know. Uh, I don't know. Players like, and I, gut industry and stuff.
0: I, mean. I have trouble <laughs> understanding China because I feel like they yeah. have a lot of just foreign economic investments. They've got, I mean, they have a lot of real estate, but I mean, more mm-hmm. importantly, they have a lot of industry abroad. Um, that they've invested in, in their companies and a lot mm-hmm. of just trade deals and stuff like that. A lot of, um, well, like mining is a big one. Um, so even though it seems like they, they've got a lot of paper tigery stuff, like their ghost cities that they just built as like mm-hmm. building projects, <laughs> stuff like that, yeah. um, in China, I do want, like they're. There's such a big economy that we depend on and so many other people around the world are fairly interlocked with that, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. Like, collapsing our economy is also collapsing their own, which if it's already right. collapsing anyway, then maybe it doesn't matter take others down with them, but yeah. I, I haven't really... Yeah, I I'm sure there's predatory aspects to what they do, but I've had trouble seeing it aside from just like um copying technology and making cheap versions of it, but that's like it's kind of whatever. That's that's just what uh people with manufacturing facilities will do.
1: <laughs> yeah. Know. Oh yeah. Well, and I and that's kind of what I'm I saying is like the, you know, in this sort of theory that I, you know, I haven't really done any additional research or, you know, this is just something that popped into my head that I haven't heard anybody else kind of suggest that I, I think is, I thought was kind of an interesting take. But, you know, I'd like to hear anybody, uh, you know, refute it or, or you know, just, uh, you know, maybe I'm totally off base. I'm totally open to that. <laughs> but, but, you know, the idea that so their, you know, economy has been booming for what, 10, 15 years, you know, however long they've been doing. I mean, you know, they've been growing for a long time, but really their society has been changing, you know, just over the last decade or so, right? Like where, you know, these, you know, what there's, you know, they've gone from like, I mean, I think they're still primarily agrarian, but, uh, but, you know, it just, yeah, it's, it's dramatic, very different you
0: know. in like the main cities for sure. And I think a lot of the farmers haven't noticed much difference at all. Yeah. But
1: but so they have, you know, so it looks, you know, it's like, we think, well, of course they aren't going to want to blow that up. You know, they're like, they've had so much growth and so much prosperity and success. You know, that's our viewpoint as Americans, but like they're, you know, I mean, and this is, again, I don't know, maybe I'm, this is like a cartoon version of, of the, you know, evil communist, you know, but, uh, you know, like, isn't, isn't that, isn't their goal, you know, that would actually be a success to them also (laughs) like at, on a philosophical level to take down even, even their own industry, if they could take America down with it, like, or, or any, and, and Europe and the rest of the world, any of these like big thriving economies and the billionaires and the, you know, uh, because, and also, and on the back end of that, they, they're more prepared to recover from that, uh, Hmm. I would say, you know. So, like, they win uh, ideologically by taking capitalism down globally, (laughs) Uh, and then they can rise from the ashes because they have the manufacturing, they have the workforce, uh, they have the systems of control in place to have their... Right. Yeah, that's true. Huh. An interesting interesting
0: thought to... (laughs) Put in the pocket and ponder.
1: <laughs> yeah. because like, I just yeah, like I said, it just popped into my head because I think, you know, we we're looking at it from a Western viewpoint that you know, of course, you know, you want to continue to grow and, and be successful and and you know and prosper, you know, but that's that's like counter to, you know, the I mean I mean, as in my understanding, you know, that the philosophy of you know of the of the communists you know and of the uh it's certainly counter
0: to the philosophy of the world economic forum
1: and the world economic forum yes (laughs) (laughs) of course we haven't got into that but and that's another that's one of those like really weird things i feel like they're a projection of some unseen hand you know like what you know like a lot of people have pointed out you know like why does my video on certain medical uh or certain you know medicines uh, get taken down from youtube but criticism of the you know wef is oh, allowed yeah. to stay up there you know you know there it's like it, it seems like they're sort of a uh distraction possibly but i mean not that they're not up to no good uh but i don't they yeah, i feel like that's a little probably bit of a s- easy the target.
0: somewhat public face of some some background actors though Oh.
1: yes yeah
0: yeah i've heard yeah, that which is, the the names of the people who are most powerful are the names we don't know
1: <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah the list uh the forbes list of the mo- the wealthiest people in the world don't have the, the wealthiest people in the world they wouldn't appear on that list you know right their wealth themselves.
0: isn't on the books probably
1: <laughs> yeah yeah right yeah same kind of deal you know but But yeah, but that's, you know, I mean, that, and that's, all that's pretty fascinating too. It's, and I, I guess I've been so steeped in it, you know, I've been listening to, I mean, going back year. I mean, I used to listen to Coast to Coast. It was a little bit different back in the, you know, those days. Uh, Art Bell, and then less George Nori. but. uh, Oh, you know what? I'm
0: still, I'm just about to finish a book by George Nori. Oh, yeah? Yeah, but I never listened to Coast to Coast. I just picked this up at my chiropractor's office. It's, Uh, um. It's called Worker in the Light. It's all about um, Worker in the
1: light. yeah,
0: like meditation and uh, out of body experience, um, remote viewing, that kind of stuff, like sort of connecting with the with the greater universe through um, yeah. through meditation and other practices.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I never read it, but I remember him promoting it like crazy back in the like early 2000s, I think. Like I think that's when it came out. And that actually reminds me of uh I read uh which actually Jack Spirico refers to frequent or uh, on occasion it seems like somewhat frequently the uh uh the Celestine prophecy is kind oh, of yeah. somewhat has some similar themes you know and and sort of intentionality and um but I think one of the themes that they i think what he usually refers to them or to that book kind of il- introducing or is, uh, the, uh, uh, value for value, uh, kind of transactions, huh. of the, uh, which yeah. I think, you know, the way that they were, you know, it, it, you know, it's not the way that it's manifesting now exactly, but it's kind of, you know, he sees that as kind of the future. That's what, you know, the podcast 2.0 stuff allows and, and, you know, the lightning network and all that, <clears throat> you know, where you can, you know, it's it's a direct reciprocation, like um where your your life experience and your your you know um well, your positive interaction with other people like is it's like directly valued <laughs> and, yeah. and it, like what contributes to your your well being versus uh just kind of floating out there, I guess. And you know, I mean
0: I, don't and yeah, I think I guess just the
1: reciprocity I, is the difference.
0: Yeah, I really like the value for value thing because it's it gets back to that more direct model of um, like we're we sort of deflect or or uh, defer a lot of our um, financial responsibilities, mm-hmm. especially charity. Like with we pay taxes, oh. we pay so much taxes that it's like well. I guess it's the government's job to take care of it, (laughs) you know, (laughs) stuff like that. Or, or we just, we consume ads and it's like, well, I guess they're getting their money from the ads. So Mm -hmm. no, no need to like contribute to the artists themselves. And if you can actually give directly to the artists without, or even like, even when you're buying an album, if you go to the store and buy an album, you know, you know, you're paying mostly the record company and not really the band, (laughs) you know?
1: Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. A guy reached out to me, uh, last year Was a guy that I, I kind of knew from, from, uh, college. Uh, I hadn't talked to him for years and he was working on a pretty cool thing. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, uh, you know, get it, put his idea out there, but, but that's what he was, uh, he was working on a a way to kind of have a, a, like a peer to peer, um, like physical way for people to well, you know, I mean, in the old days you'd buy a CD when, when you go see the band, right. You buy a t-shirt, you know, Yeah. and you know, of course, physical media, not really a thing anymore. You know, you can buy like a USB stick or, you know, and, but he was kind of coming up with novel ways for artists to kind of monetize stuff like in person, uh, you know, for kind of like a value for value uh, exchange which I thought was like a pretty cool idea because I think there is sort of a vacuum there aside from, you know, I mean, I guess you could just give the musician some cash, <laughs> like some extra money. That seems weird.
0: Well, you know, someone like you who does drawings, um, get on Noster. You can get tipped oh. for your drawings tipped oh, in lightning.
1: I, yes. I need to. Yeah. I, I, I need to, well, my phone is like seven years old. Like I, I can't even like use, <laughs> use Dropbox on it anymore. So like I, I need to get a new Phone, I, um, like, uh, yeah, but I, yeah, Noster, I'm like, uh, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it, but I, yeah, I just haven't done it yet. Uh, there's a good well, and the drawings, yeah.
0: There's a good uh, Telegram group, Lightning for Liberty, if you want to.
1: Oh
0: yeah, they've got Go some good support guys um, working in there. Um, nice, cool. Definitely helped me. <laughs> to find my way into, I mean, I'm still, I, I still, it's one of those things you kind of got to keep banging away at with like relays and there's, you sign up for different relays and then there's, there's free ones and then there's paid ones. And there's also like so many different apps and websites that you can use because, because all Noster is, mm-hmm. is a protocol on which to build apps and websites. So it's, yeah. the it's the lightning integrated protocol. And, so yeah, it's um it's clunky, you know. It's it's in it's beginning stages and and uh it, it it's a little bit of a time investment for what is social media at this point, but it it has that value for value function and um yeah, for someone who does drawings like you do, it could be a cool angle to try.
1: Yeah, well, and that's something I yeah I, I haven't even talked about that. I, I can't even remember how much we've talked about. That's one of the things that I was considering, like dumping a ton of time into. Like I've got this drawing series that I conceptualized like in 2011, and and I've done some. I've kind of worked worked it up a couple times, and I've just never really launched it. But like when the whole NFT thing came along, you know, and that was hot news for a few months. I was like, okay, well, maybe this is the thing. You know, you know, like because uh, there's like a digital component to it. There's it's like a multimedia thing, but there is a physical object involved as well. You know, it's I could, you know, I have like a there I can, can go on for be. Two, two hours about it. <laughs> yes. But um, but yeah, it sounds like nostril well, so and like I don't know, I need to delve more into it, but it kind of st- seem like muster, you know we're we're kind of waiting for this internet 3.0 or I don't know where we are now but you know the the internet is controlled now right there's Facebook yeah. there's Google like you don't surf the web like you don't get everything's you know comes to you through by way of some algorithm you know like it's you know I remember you know going you know on Netscape uh 1994, and, you know, and and it was like a, it was the Wild West, you know, and, and you, it's like your buddy would be like, oh, have you seen this website? And you'd go and, it, you know, there's like and there's like web chains, you know, that you would people would like voluntarily, you know, actively, uh, you know, form like these link chains and form like their own online communities, you know, it was like it was pretty, huh. you know, looking back. It was actually it's pretty yeah it you know it was and everything looked like crap and took a long time to load and you know I mean it wasn't you know great, but you know, I do have some nostalgia about it, you know um and you know that's that's not the internet you know that's not the landscape that we you know have before us anymore, but I kind of feel like something like Noster, you know maybe Noster is the thing it you know it kind of it it it, it kind of it feels it seems like just here listen to you you know just now like that just triggered in my mind like i feel like this kind of creates a backbone for that sort of a community interactivity um that and and of course it starts out uh clunky and you know and 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 a little bit hard to navigate and you know but as the user base grows and people build those apps and 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 uh, make the functionality smoother. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't, yeah. but I, uh, yeah. No, I mean, people I don't are already
0: what... selling coffee and stuff on there too, you know? It's not just, it's not just tip your meme or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's also, it's also actual goods being, it's it's an actual uh, economic hub.
1: Yeah. Well, and also, and like podcasting, you know, like nobody's really figured out podcast. You know, I mean now it's like an old technology now, right? I've been listening to podcasts since I mean I used to just download audio files off of people's websites and listen to them, you know, right. before podcasting was a thing and and um but you know, I remember I used to listen to the nerdist, you know, Chris Hardwick always talked about like when somebody could figure out how to make an interface for podcast podcast it's like flicks you know they're gonna you know they're, they're gonna win the podcast game or whatever i don't remember that's not exactly what he said but you know when when you could get in your car and just you know use your your radio as a podcast feeder or something you know like that you that functionality just hasn't been created yet you know people are trying to use like an old model like the old uh like a radio station model where you you know they buy shows And they like control that content and then you pay a subscription fee to listen to that content. And that's like, nobody wants to do that. That's not what podcasts are for, you know, but the value for value model makes sense. It just, there's, it's like, there's not a critical mass of people that are, that understand that yet and are, are using that yet. So it hasn't broken into the mainstream.
0: Right. Yeah. And even, <sighs> even the functionality of apps like fountain isn't quite there yet for me anyway. I'm, I mean, I'm also on oh, a kind yeah. of old phone, but um, mm-hmm. I've found that it just sucks my battery so fast. It, it just, it's, it doesn't work if I'm actually, I can't actually listen to podcasts on it. I can, I can go, I can open the app and do a few things and, and uh, listen to a few clips or whatever but that's about as far as I'm getting usually
1: i mean i yeah, like to download
0: I, all my episodes too so maybe it's a file yeah. size thing partly i don't know
1: yeah i yeah i you know i hate to you know talk bad about Fountain because i i love what they're trying to do but oh, I, and i, I haven't even used it for
0: it, a while me as well i love what they're trying to do and i keep it on my phone just like yes keep updating it once in a while hope it gets better
1: <laughs> yeah right and i you know certain episodes um, I'll listen certain shows. Like if I'm cooking, I'll like play something on fountain. But if I'm like doing serious podcast listening, I don't use fountain because I just don't like the way it functions, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. It just, there's just basic functionality that it's it, like, I mean, even just, uh, I mean, it, it could be me. Maybe I just didn't figure it out, you know, but I use podcast addict, which I love it because you can get in there and you can, you can adjust all the settings. Oh, yeah. So it's like, it's wonderfully customizable. What's that?
0: It's wonderfully customizable.
1: Yeah. I and like Podcast you know, Addict I,
0: I, as well. I have an iPhone right now, so they don't make it for iOS, unfortunately, uh, but um, hmm. I did have an Android and Podcast Addict was definitely the one to use.
1: Yeah, right. It's great. I've been using it for a, you know, a long time. And, uh, and, yeah, and I just, with uh, Fountain, I'm just, it's like man i just you have to when you open the app you have to click you have to like go through like four or five different screens you know and then like sort down a list like i don't know it's there's like uh yeah it's and then it doesn't like one thing i like about podcast addict you know when you listen to your episode it goes away you know like i have it set so that i don't have a bunch of Un, or a bunch of listened to episodes. Right. And so if I you know fall behind on something, it's like, okay, I know this is the next one I'm listening to. And with Fountain, you just have to like memorize the title of, you know, the last <laughs> one you listened to and and then like scroll down to it. And it's like, man, huh. that seems like that should be basic functionality.
0: I feel like I did find the setting for that, but I'm not sure.
1: Yeah. I And, and I haven't even tried to use it for probably like three or four months. Yeah. So maybe they've done an update on that. But yeah,
0: doesn't I, Podcast Addict also have um, lightning enabled?
1: I I believe they do because the guy is on uh, No Agenda talk about yeah. it as one of the Podcast 2.0 apps. Yeah, I do know that uh, when I I did notice like last week um, I was like updating my my podcasts and because um, I yeah I usually I'll do like a, a bulk update and just and download certain episodes you know because I'm like okay I'm going to be driving I, I need like 6 hours of, of stuff you know on my phone I don't want to stream it and but I noticed that it did come up with their show uh, there's like a banner across the top that said live and you could click on it and and or you know tap on it and uh and listen live stream which I thought was pretty cool huh. like, so I think I know that's part of that functionality and I understand it sounds like the way they describe it you could even enter the troll room or and, you know, and interact with them through Podcast Addict. But I haven't done that.
0: Maybe that's what it has that they've been advertising and not that it has value for value integrated into it.
1: Yeah, I haven't seen a way to tip anybody through there, but I wonder, there may be, you know, uh, if you link over, like, to the troll room or something, maybe that functionality is built into, maybe that's, like, inside, that's a different, like, level or shell or something. Yeah. Uh ah, who it's knows. Not, anyway, we should yeah. probably
0: wrap this up. We've been going for a couple hours here.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What do you it's think? Really any fun, any fun uh work.
0: closing thoughts? Any any secrets you want to impart to the world?
1: Hmm. Uh well, um I I think my uh, uh let's see. I I you know, I I'm I, I'm all over the place, uh but I think my my over sparking uh kind of philosophy and and w- you know what i'd like to see more of in the world <laughs> is uh um everyone uh uh well I, don't know. I guess i need to come up with a way to say it, uh, it, it you know uh, I, it occurred to me a couple of years ago i feel like everything people the world has become sort of gray like people are are, are very afraid um not just of you know, the typical things that we're told to be afraid of, but afraid of, of life itself, almost, you know, uh, of trying new things of saying things that might get you in trouble or, um, and, uh, and it's sort of, uh, and people are not, uh, em- enjoying life, not embracing life. You know, it's like, you know, this is a, it's a special thing and, uh, and go out there and, you know, find a way to, 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 you know, make it the best, life you can have be and uh, be the uh, you know be the star of your own uh, of your own show you know
0: nice cool i like it well thanks for coming on will yeah do some plugs
1: okay uh yeah plugs i well radioactivetheater.com is where you can find our episodes um i'm sorry about the website it's squarespace i'd never used squarespace before i i hate i hate the layout i was trying some things it didn't work the way i thought it would but i'll get that update eventually um, but you can, you can listen and download to those or just go to podcast addict or whatever and, and do it that way, you know, radioactive theater. Um, uh, well, and we touched on the drawings. Um, that's a thing it's not out yet, but, um, keep an eye out for it. I created a Facebook page. <laughs> uh, I was, I, I think I tried to create an Instagram page, but somebody already took the name, but, I'm going to have some variation on it, but it's, it's called the fever machine project. Um, yeah. I don't know if I ever get that launched. Uh, maybe I'll ask if I can come on here and promote that specifically.
0: Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh,
1: Cause it's, it's a big, it's a big conceptual thing that I've uh, thought about for a long time that, you know, I don't know. I, I I'd like to get it going, but yeah, we'll see. But uh, yeah, other than that, I, I, yeah i think I, I don't think i have anything else be cool live free yes absolutely all right thanks man